truth. It's time for the Jedi to end. Episode 183. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right, we did it in unison that time over Skype, sir. Was it in unison? Yeah, it was pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? I think we kind of slowed it down a little bit, and we got each other's rhythm. You know, we were we were like we were like boys to men when we fucking recorded that. We were just a straight acapella, man. I believe it. I believe it. I was feeling you that one. Yeah. I th- actually, <laughs> speaking of boys to men, this is our last episode. The end of the road. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a good run. Yeah, like, let me cue the music, voice the men, and that's it. All right. It's been fun, guys. <laughs> the music better be playing back there. That's why I'm quiet. Speaking, speaking of The Last Jedi, this is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> the last leftover. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, The Leftovers in The Last Jedi here shortly, Jake. Did you know one of the cast members from The Leftovers is going to be in The Last Jedi? I did not. Which one? Uh, Justin Theroux, and we're going to talk about it later, man. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Theroux, Jennifer Aniston's fiance, husband. I don't know. They're a, th- they're a thing, though. Yeah. They are. They have been a thing for quite a while. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're off to a fucking bang. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Justin Theroux. Yeah. Hey, he's going to be in The Last Jedi, man. So it fucking, you know, it's all, this is, this is, we're going to be talking about The Last Jedi. We're going to be talking about the trailer. We're going to break down the trailer. And then after that, we're going to be talking all Last Jedi news. But, you know, first, uh, we're, let's do some housekeeping. All uh, right. If we have to. Uh, let's see here. No new episode next week. Uh, going to, I'm going to C2E2, so no new episode ne- next week, so uh, throwing that out there. Yes, I will have to miss C2E2 this year. I have a lot of stuff going on here at home with my personal life and just have a lot of work to do. So I really regret not being able to make it this year and see everyone. I know that's going to be out there, but, you know, I got to do what's important. Family's important, and C2E2 is every year. So hopefully a bunch of people come out 
the following year too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see you back there next year. It's not going to be the same without you. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. I totally understand. So, um, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I, I got nothing else. <laughs> is is that your C two E two end of the road? That is my C two E two end of the road. Uh, cue the music again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're the wow. only we're the only ones laughing at these jokes. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. Um, let's, uh, screw the rest of them. Fuck them. Uh, let's see here. You know, uh, I want to let, let me uh, let me do some housekeeping here real quick. First thing, no iTunes reviews this week. We got some. I'm just not going to read them. Uh, next thing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us more in the meantime. Though, give yeah, us- yeah, keep them coming. Keep those one stars coming. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wanted to actually plug, um, I talked about him a couple weeks ago, Joe Stark from Starkcast. I, uh, I reached out to him. Don't worry, we're gonna get to the last Jedi guys, I promise you. We just gotta get through these couple things here. Uh, I talked to Joe Stark, and I'm, now I'm sounding like I'm pushing Joe, like, 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 like Joe Stark is just like an Are we affiliated with Joe Stark now? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, did I miss a memo? This show is brought to you by Starkcast. <laughs> Starkcast presents Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> and then we play the end of the road music. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know why I find that funny. I'm, we're the only ones that find that funny, I'm sure. Oh man, I gotta find that so I can play it for us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> uh, boys, the men might sue us though. Those guys are hurting for cash, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're gonna be at some state fair somewhere and their fucking like alert's gonna go off. <laughs> yeah. It's the end of their financial road. They've got some financial woes recently. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I get right to the good. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the the dialogue at the beginning. I did too. Is he plugging the next state fair they're going to? I think he was talking about Starkcast. <laughs> oh man, this is our worst episode ever. Right? Hold on, how many school how many school dances did you go to in junior high where you where you, where you did the fucking bullshit slow dance of this song? Oh yeah, so many. Uh, eighth grade oh. dance, man, bringing back some memories. Yeah, because we're like the same age. Oh yeah, yeah. all all of them. Yeah. Oh my god! I love that it's our last Jedi episode, and I'm holding my phone up to the microphone, playing voice to me. We can't stop now, right? No, no, man. We got to go through the whole fucking song <laughs> at least one time through the hook. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Ooh, how the rabbit beat dead. Here we go. Here we go. Hit it. Yes. <laughs> Come on, sing along. I can't let go. It's so natural. You belong to me. I belong to you. Go. Oh, nice. I don't know if I'm gonna go to the end of the road. <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, Motown Philly back again. Oh man, that's my favorite. That's my jam there. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. ABC BBD. The East Coast family. <laughs> yeah. They never skip the beat, man. I'll tell you that much. 
Um, <laughs> wow, this one went off the rails fast. Yeah, that should have been their last song. They should have went out with that one, right? Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, end of the road for them. Uh, don't, don't they have some big wedding song that everyone plays at all their weddings? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe, uh, there's, 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 why are there so many wedding songs? There should be more divorce songs. More people, that get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Are, are there any divorce songs? Uh, maybe Henry Rollins. Uh, yeah. What did he sing? That uh, a Liar. <laughs> maybe that's a divorce song. Because <laughs> I'm a liar. Um, let's see here. I haven't thought of that that song for over a decade. Oh God! After every one of my relationships end, I play that song. <laughs> it, it goes. It goes from first like playing like the like the heartbroken songs to like "fuck you, bitch," and then I'm playing "liar" and "this love" by Pantera. <laughs> so <laughs> you keep this love. <laughs> oh man! Oh uh, yeah, it gets real dark. Uh, <laughs> and I start cutting myself. You know the drill. Um, <laughs> and I play the end of the road song. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, we're real dark there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking about Starkcast. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I want to talk about Joe Stark here real, real quickly. Um, I uh, I was on Reddit and I uh, saw this guy post uh, recently about uh, him taking a uh, five thousand mile walk across uh, basically Canada and then uh, going into America and then go I think he started out east and then he started walking west and he's going to make his way to the Bay Area and he was 3,400 miles into his walk across America and uh, he was looking for people to interview him and I was like man Joe Stark this would be right up his alley so Joe Stark actually got to interview this guy and he's got like a two-hour interview with this guy and his experiences of walking across America and how many shoes he's worn out and all the different people that he's met. And, uh, it's really interesting. So check it out. Start cast. And the episode is titled Skylar's travels, which sounds like a Disney XD morning show or something. Nice. That, that sounds really awesome. I, I mean, that's really cool. I've always thought that would be a fun podcast to do. Just like interview people yeah, walking yeah. around. Absolutely. Yeah. And that guy's like the ultimate walker. The ultimate. He's like the living embodiment of Forrest Gump, except he's not <laughs> running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet I could still beat this guy in ping pong. Too. I guarantee you when this guy hits his 5,000 miles and he ends up in the Bay area, he's going to play end of the road. <laughs> That's going to be like the final song in his fucking uh, walk playlist. I guarantee you. <laughs> You did it, Skyler. You did it, Skyler. <laughs> this is stupid. This is our last Jedi trailer episode, Jake. I know. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> good good plug for Starcast. Oh, we got good stuff. How hey. much did we get for that? Oh, man. Uh, I think 50 cents. <laughs> Shit. That's after taxes, you know. Uncle Sam. Uh, let's see here. I also wanted to uh, plug uh, uh, Chris Callahan. He uh, reached out to me. He's doing a Kickstarter right now, and it's got 11 days left as you, as the time that you're listening to this. He uh, He's doing a, uh, a comic book, and it's called uh, Misplaced, the Collected Edition. And uh, on Wednesday, March 29th, Source Point Press launched the Kickstarter for the trade paperback collected edition of the Dark Supernatural comic books miniseries the misplaced 
fully funded in less than four days. Uh, lucky backers now have the opportunity to receive an upgraded, beautiful hardcover edition. It's from writer and artist Chris Callahan. It's a dark supernatural tale of love and desperation in the aftermath of a horrific tragedy. A young man pushes through the afterlife, searching for the soul of his lost bride. But to find the missing, one spirit must return to the land of the living and uncover the truth of immortality. So definitely, uh, if this is something that you're interested in, Definitely check it out. It's uh, on Kickstarter. Just do a search for Misplaced, the collected edition. And I think the digital copy only starts off at uh, $2. So that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. It's a complete story, too, just three books? Uh, I think it's, I think it, is it four? It's a mini series. I think it's either three or four books. Yeah. Four, sounds sounds a, cool. It's a four issue series. Yep. Some good old vampire comics, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's, uh, you know what? We've been, uh, we've been talking about boys to men and start cast and comics. Let's. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Never gets old. <laughs> I'm sure that's what our listeners are thinking. Uh, we're going to jump. Sure yeah. We're going to jump into, uh, some Star Wars news. Play that bumper here. Hey guys, what's Amisa saying? You're supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. All right, before we jump into The Last Jedi news, I wanted to talk about some things, uh, some other Star Wars related news. Uh, looks like Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, is going to end with season four. Mm-hmm. And uh, looks Th- that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I feel like the story will have run its course then, to be quite honest yeah. with you. Yeah, it really rides that line between uh, the prequels and A New Hope. So you yeah. can only go so far before it, you're exactly. full scumped the cartoon. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how these characters end and I mean, if any of them go forward in any other forms of Star Wars canon. Also, it looks like Ahsoka Tano is alive and she will return in Season 4, is what they're saying. Yeah, there you go. So they faked her death? How how did that go down? I mean, we really never... We we saw her in the pyramid, the Sith pyramid or whatever, that Sith temple. That was like the season two finale, right? Season two, yeah. And, I mean, we saw her and we saw the thing kind of like... I don't know. We we just kind of saw her standing in a doorway. So, you know, some people thought, oh, maybe she died in there. And then some people were like, ah, she's alive. I, I felt like she was, you know, they didn't show us a death. I didn't see a body. So she's alive. And so she's Yeah, that, that's the rule, especially in Star Wars cartoons. Yeah. No body, no death. Exactly. Uh, next thing, uh, apparently Guillermo del Toro has had talks with Lucasfilm about doing a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Uh, these are just talks. There's nothing in stone. Here's Del Toro's comments to Collider. I will not comment on this because then somebody will say, oh, Guillermo's doing a Star Wars movie, and I look like a kook. Uh, Neil Gaiman once said that, I'd love to write Doctor Strange with Guillermo, and then all of a sudden on my IMDb, I had Doctor Strange listed. Uh, hmm. But saying all of that as a caveat, uh, I would say there's some characters that are great, and I have talked to Kathy Kennedy and John Knoll about ideas, but you know... I want to do my shit. I want to do my shit. I want to do it first, and I'm veering a lot towards animation. I love animation. So he, he's he, Jake. He's he's talking about animation, and he's been talking in the past that he wants to do an animated Pacific Rim, 
And so I'm supposed to believe that Guillermo de Toro is going to pass on Star Wars so that we can get a cartoon, you know, kaiju and monster, uh, kaiju monsters and, and robots. I, I mean, I, I love this. It's, it's not Star Star Wars yeah. would be his legacy. I mean, long after he's dead, people remember Star Wars movies. I mean, no matter how bad a Star Wars movie is in some people's eyes, I mean, Star Wars lives on forever. I mean, you can't pass up Star Wars to do fucking animated Pacific Rim or any other animated property. Yeah, his attitude is so bad there. Like, I mean, maybe he's not suited to do a Star Wars movie anyway. I mean, if he thinks fan scrutiny is bad now, wait until he's officially signed to be making the Star Wars movie. Right, right. Like, that's – it's like, come on, man. Do you think, like, doing a Star Wars movie, is it – I mean, is it – You've got the Star Star Wars story group behind you, and they kind of, like, give you bullet points. This is the movie you're doing. These are the things you have to hit. Do you think it's really, like, set up for him to fail, though, doing a Star Wars movie? Or do you think, like, the story group has his back, Kathleen Kennedy has his back, and that, you know, they're going to do everything with all of their resources to make a great movie. Guillermo del Toro just has to give it his own visual style and his direction. I think if he did it, it would be good. Yeah. I think it. I think it would be B. Right. Honestly, I think if he did it, it would be really neat. Yeah. I mean, like what? I mean, I don't know. Speculation on like what kind of movie he could do. I mean, I think maybe like a Boba Fett and the Bounty Hunters movie might be kind of cool. Something Salacious, like that. Salacious Crumb, the movie. <laughs> Dude, that's right up his alley. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That is right up his alley, man. Let's see what he's up to and where he came from. I don't his, his world. Yeah, I don't want any huts involved. Yeah, just just could, salacious crumb. We could see that at the end how he ended up in the hut service. Exactly, exactly. Right at the very end, boom. I love it, man. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. And it could be his own little world. Like he could make up the whole, like all the facts behind that whole race. Yeah, you know what? Let's go out on this, Jake. This is our last episode. I want to go out on this. This is perfect. I'll- on the salacious crumb? On salacious crumb. This is it. Let's end it. End of the road. Let's, All right. Let's, I'm queuing it. Perfect. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. No, we won't. We won't see you next week. All right. Let's get let's get into The Last Jedi. All right. If we must. Yeah, if we must. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start off at the top of this by just playing the spoiler warning because, like, spoilers are going to be coming fast and furious. So I'm playing the spoiler warning. Oh, shit. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies. All right, guys. First, we're going to talk about the Last Jedi trailer. I, but I w- also I wanted to point out that Episode Eight director Ryan Johnson pointed out to Good Morning America that the Jedi in the title, The Last Jedi, is singular. And yes, and he said they will say they say in the Force Awakens that he's going to find the Last Jedi Temple, and Luke is the Last Jedi. That's a quote from director Ryan Johnson. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so I guess we can't trust, you know, the uh what was it, the French and the uh Spanish uh the the way they the the trailer it basically uh kind of like assumed that it was plural the way it was written on their posters. 
Yeah, we're on record poo-pooing that anyway. Yeah, I said it could be possible, but I think you were the biggest advocate of saying it's sing- it could be singular. Yes. So I, I definitely know I was poo-pooing it. Yeah, oh, you definitely were. All right, so yeah, we got some clarification there. Now let's go into our – you know what? We're going to do a trailer breakdown, but after you – think, You think Ryan Johnson's our guy? Can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, go for like, it. Is, is he, he going to – when he tells us stuff, are we taking his word? I like, would is, it, I would hope so. Because we kind of played that game with JJ, you yeah. know, where JJ would say something and we'd be like, fuck you, JJ. It was Khan. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't believe anything right. you say now. Right. R- Ryan Johnson hasn't, like, thrown away our trust yet. Like, we, we're believing this, right? Yeah. I mean, so, so, hey, right now he's got all the trust from me in the world. Until he's proven otherwise, I believe him, you know? All right. So, I mean, are you thinking differently? I don't know. I just like the stuff with Good Morning America, like you and the stuff with like the celebration. You just got to wonder how much is propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I've actually heard more propaganda out of Mark Hamill <laughs> recently. Well, Mark Hamill's really, but really, he's worse than J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I mean, they're asking him, hey, is Luke going to go dark side? And he says it's a possibility. It's like, yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, they have pressured, they actually had to pressure Ryan Johnson into giving that answer. Like, he gave a very vague answer before, saying he believes it's singular, and then yes. they kept pressuring him until he broke down and gave us the quote that I just read. Yeah. Because in some ways, this feels like a very different Star Wars movie just in the way it's being presented to us so far. Right. And that, and just the amount of mystery that's being presented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, which makes me wonder with a lot of these like appearances and the stuff they're saying if they're trying to throw some swerves at us. Okay, what's the mystery? Is the mystery because I mean basically we got the trailer last year, uh, two years ago, and I mean it showed us a lot of great visual things. We didn't get hardly any dialogue except for Snoke voiceover and then at the end with Han saying, Chewie, we're home. Now – in this one, it's a lot of, you know, Luke dialogue. There's some background dialogue and, you know, we do get a lot of visual stuff. It's pretty much the same. Is the mystery the fact that the sets were more secure this time? They kind of like knew what they were in for from like people in the surrounding areas and it was harder to get those drone pictures and things like that. I mean, they were taken and we have seen pictures of costumes. We have seen set pictures. We have seen like them building sets and building, you know, uh, ships and different vehicles we have seen these pictures we've seen the space horse we'll talk about space horse later but i mean we've seen these things but not as much as we saw in the force awakens i I think it's a little bit of both um there's definitely more mystery because there's less spoilers because they kept it on lock a little bit better but i think that the trailer itself was just cut in a way to create intrigue and mystery or like the the original trailer ends with the uh Yay, we're all crying because we're seeing Han and Chewie in the Millennium Falcon and whatnot. But the the new trailer ends with, what the fuck? What does he mean when he, when <laughs> right. he, when he, when he says the end? Like, no he's talking about, hey, the chills. he's talking about the end of the road. Yeah, he is talking about the end of the road. For the That's Jedi. some fucked up shit. It is some fucked up shit, man. I, I didn't have it ready to go. That should have played at the end of the trailer. That would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. Not to jump to the end, but just talking about how the trailer made me feel overall. Like, it's a it's a jarring trailer. Like, even the beginning of it, you're kind of shocked. Like, with the, uh, you think you're looking at space, and then it's just 
hand on the screen with the violin music, you know, the da 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's break down this trailer. So, like, and then we're going to talk about Luke's dialogue later, so let's not jump into that real quick, okay? Yeah, um, and I, the only reason I brought it up now is, yeah. is just comparing the overall feel of this trailer to the last trailer. Well, the trailer actually opens up with, like, Ray. She's on Octu and she's trying to... You know, she's trying to catch her breath. She's, it's almost like she's been, she's gasping for air or she's been like suffocated or something. And I just want to point out like the premiere trailer for The Force Awakens, it starts off with Finn taking off his helmet and catching his breath. Oh, have, you can actually watch a side by side. Yeah. Of the original trailer in this trailer. And it is crazy. It's not just this scene. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's not at all. Like when, um, Vader. The new trailer when Poe and BB-8 are running up to the explosion right. is the exact same shot where Finn and Rey in the old trailer are running up to the explosion what with BB-8. What about Vader's mask and Kylo's? It's exactly the same spot. Holy shit. The, the whole thing is cut. It's it's like good catch on, on the moment at the beginning, but it's the whole trailer. That's That's unreal. I think that's actually kind of brilliant. I think it's amazing too. And I think that's what I like, even though it's shot for shot, it's like the trailer itself still invokes a completely different type of like emotion from it. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, I don't know. Have you read a lot of internet reaction? I, I mean, I haven't had ha- people, people from what I've seen aren't the biggest fans of this. Oh, wow. From like, I've read, I've read a little bit of inter- internet reaction and it seems pretty polarizing. Huh. Like people are obviously excited. They're, they're right. not like, oh, the next Star Wars movie looks like crap. Yeah. But people are just greedy bastards. Yeah. And they, like, I think they, like, to me, there's a real art to this trailer. Sure. It's a really amazing trailer. Yeah. Just wait until the TV spots start rolling in people. Jesus. Then we'll have seen the whole fucking movie. So yeah, there's no need to be greedy about like the Star Wars. You're going to get. Your Star Wars trailers. Oh, you yeah. Star Wars trailers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought this really served a purpose. Like, this was a really beautiful trailer. Okay. So, you know what? Let's go ahead. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it or just rate it right now? Uh, I toss it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let, let me play the rating system real quick. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, Jake. Uh, rate rate the trailer. I, I got a Tupperware. I, it just blew me away. Like Honestly, the first time I watched it, it, it did seem like just a little bit like, Oh, that was it, you know? Right. And, but And I just can't help myself. I think just like all the rest of Geeks, I'm just like, oh, more, 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 more. But then, you know, I watched it like 15 more times, and I really started catching like just like, I don't know, the subtle beauty of it. It's yeah. just such a different teaser trailer. Like, And Star Wars does such a good job with their teaser trailers. They've always been like this, where you see some great imagery, but it really just asks a few questions more than gives you a lot of answers. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it should be. I, I, yeah, it's not like a Marvel teaser is like, here's a third of the plot. Yeah, see, that's the thing, Jake. Like, the people that are bitching about wanting more are the same people that bitch about, you know, the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer giving them too much. Or, yeah, yeah. or Batman v Superman, the second trailer, showed us way too much. And, you know, I don't know. You, you, you can't make people too happy, but it is nice to know that people are still excited to go see this movie, of course, when it comes out in theaters. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love the trailer, too. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. 
And uh, I mean, I've been dying, yeah, dying. The to thing is, down. is they always have to cut Star Wars trailers like Star Wars trailers, and I think that helps the Star Wars movies out. Right? Like, they always have to have the the score kind of cut like a music video for a trailer. Yeah. And they they can't really break that, or yeah. or we'd be like, what the fuck was that? So we see Ray, and she's out of breath, and I mean. What what's that all about? It, 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 she looks like she's in shock, and is it is, is Ray coming out of another Force vision? Jake, is that what is is that what's happening here? Yeah, that was actually um what I was thinking. That like I, I, she's definitely going to have another Force vision, right? That's for sure going to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you've got to have a Force vision when you're on Oct two. I mean, they've basically like Dagobah, you know, in the in the Clone Wars was important and Luke had visions there, but I feel like Octu is even more important in Star Wars lore as far as the Jedi are concerned. And Ray has to get a vision on Octu. It has to happen. And this might be that scene. All right. You're putting a lot of stock in Octu. I, I I buy it too. I think I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I really do. I think Octu. We're gonna. Get, I'm gonna get into a lot of the reason why I think Octu is important. I mean, yeah, there's know, a reason Luke's there. There's a right. reason he stayed hidden this right. long. Exactly. It can't just be for nothing. Yeah. Um, we do know Ray is going to be trained by Luke. Uh, that is. That's going to happen. You know, um, Daisy Ridley at the Last Jedi panel says that. Um, basically Luke's kind of hesitant at first. I don't know if she was quoted as saying this, but I've heard this, that Luke is hesitant at first to train her. But, uh, she said at the panel, here's her quote, in the last Jedi, we go deeper into Ray's story. What is very apparent from where we left off in the force awakens and begin with the last Jedi is Ray has a certain expectation as to what she may be getting from Luke and what might entail. And as a lot of people know, it is difficult when you meet your heroes because it might not be what you expect. Yeah, I watched this panel, and when she said that, it got a huge reaction from the crowd. Wow. Like, just like a big, ooh, you know. Um, it, it seemed like she was implying that maybe maybe Luke had gone mad. Yeah, we, well, we heard those rumors in the past that Luke, I mean, he's been there for a while, and, you know, he's been by himself, and... Who knows, maybe he's talking to volleyballs named Wilson. We don't know what the hell's going on there. He's been spending time with these puffins that we're going to talk about later. Um, you know, he hasn't had contact with anybody. Maybe except for, yeah. I don't know, maybe he's talking to Force Ghost Yoda and Force Ghost Ben. I don't know. Yeah. What a great opening moment of this trailer, though. I can't overstate it enough. Like, it's just such a such a shock. Yeah, yeah. Um do you think he's hesitant about training her because he's just trying to figure out this this new dark side not dark side but this this gray side shit that we're going to talk about later I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe or like I I think I'm subscribing to the maybe he doesn't think there should be any more Jedi at all in the first place. Well, yeah, that's I'm, that, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, it's the balance in the Force is what we're going to talk about later. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but it's it's super interesting. Yeah, I'm, all I'm right. very curious. 
we're gonna first we're gonna, we're gonna break down the trailer and then go over other things. Oh, we're yeah, gonna. It's hard, it's hard not to. My, I know. My apologies. It's okay. We're gonna break down the trailer and then um, then we're gonna jump in. We're gonna try to break down the dialogue that happens in this. But, How about the music right before the uh, breath scene too, though? It's yeah. like kind of a combination between Ray's theme and the classic Star Wars trailer theme. Yeah, yeah. Is this all really interesting? Is this original John Williams? Do you know? Um, I don't think so. I, I think it really felt like someone really just on their computer like merged those two themes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Like I don't know. I, John Williams probably they they don't need him to do trailer music. Yeah, that's, I, that's a good I bet point. he hasn't even completely scored this thing yet. No. Yeah. He. I mean, he was still working on the score like you know just a few months before the Force Awakens. So. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, next shot, we see Leia from behind on a Resistance ship. Uh, then we get a shot of Kylo's mask. Uh, it's damaged and charred. And, you know, like we said earlier, it's it's like that scene from the Force Awakens trailer where we saw Vader's mask all charred and uh, disfigured and shit. Oh, yeah. Um, can I talk about some stuff before this? Yeah. Um, the Ray stuff, there's the shot. They show a bunch of scenery and they show, like, shots of her. And there's a specific shot of her that really reminds me of the episode two Hayden Christensen Anakin shot where he's standing on the balcony. Do you know what I'm talking about? It almost like Ray and Anakin almost look identical in this shot from episode two Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that's my least watched Star Wars movie. I'll have to show you. I'm sure some of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. But it's a really interesting comparison. Huh. And they, they also show the um, the rocks before she has her vision that we didn't talk about. Oh, like, the, that seemed the, really weird. Like, is that part of her training right there? The floating rocks? Yeah. Yeah. Because that seems weird, right? It's like we've already seen her do so much in Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Like, is she – does Luke really have her playing with pebbles? I don't know. I, I – I, I mean, I, I felt like it was part of her training or something, but I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, like I was wondering if she's possibly exploring there and not training during some of this stuff that we're seeing. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, because we don't see Luke. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that shot, we just see her hand. So. Yeah, exactly. The, the only time we really see Luke is on the uh, really far scenery shot where she's practicing with her lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to break down the trailer? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine, dude. Uh, did okay, did we get all the did did we miss any shots? Cuz I I might have missed a couple more. I don't know. No, I think that caught us up to to um the right after the rocks is where she starts listing the light, the dark, and okay, and that stuff. Um, let's see here. We get the shot of Kylo Ren's mask, and then um, I'm what I'm hearing is that, and this is not concrete, but I'm hearing that he might not wear the mask a lot in the movie. Um, yeah, I've heard that too. I was wondering if, um, do you think we'll see him destroy the mask, or the mask being destroyed is an established thing from the go? The mask, I believe, the mask that we're looking at is the mask that was destroyed when he, he dropped it on the platform 
on Spock. Oh, it's the old destroyed mass. That's what I'm guessing. It's it's the old destroyed mass that was destroyed on Starkiller. He's probably made a new mask, but like the, the like the speculation that I've been hearing is the fact that he might not wear the mask a lot in this one because he's in the first one he kind of wore it to like invoke that fear that Vader had. You know, Vader wore the mask. He is kind of like a Vader fanboy. And he wore it to invoke that fear. And now that he's like, you know, he's actually becoming more like Vader. He's got the scar on the eye now. He's be- he's killed his father and he's becoming this monster. He might just show his face more in this movie. He might not have to wear the mask because instead of him wearing the face to invoke fear, now he wants to – now he's becoming that monster. Yeah, I've – um. I've heard the same rumors. I've also heard that we'll get a big reveal of a new mask by the end of the movie, though, too. To sell more toys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've heard, like, it's going to be, like, a, a fuller mask, if that makes sense. Hmm. And not kind of like the half mask going on, but yeah. something different. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard I've heard the same thing, that we're going to see more uh, Adam Driver face and yeah. less Kylo Ren mask. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I bet that is the case. Uh, we get a shot of a cavern, and it's actually made up of trees, of a tree or trees, and we see that it's holding eight books. And people are saying that this is like the Journal of the Wills or the Book of the Wills, and the tree is probably a forest tree. You know, uh, we know the forest trees are canon. They were introduced in uh, Shattered Empire, that comic, which uh, featured Poe Dameron's uh, parents. And uh, that book was written by Charles Soule. So, ah, Force Tree Libraries. Force Tree Libraries. And we see someone reading the book wearing a glove. It's probably Luke pointing to that symbol. On you think it's book. Luke? I think he maybe puts a glove on, um, covers the hand, you know, the metal hand probably because it looks kind of like in the first trailer – I don't know. Was he wearing gloves in the first trailer for The Force Awakens when he touches R2? Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't think so. I think you see his metal hand. That's okay. what's so stark about it. Okay. Uh, plug and start cast again. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, a I, good word. I thought I, I was I was assuming it was Luke. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a mystery. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know what um, the other characters are going to be doing. And we don't see who it is. Like it, it could be Finn just as well as Luke, right? No, I mean if this is if this if if he's flipping through the book of the wills, Finn is actually he's on another planet. He's uh he's in the back to suit. He gets out of the back to suit. He goes on a mission um, with uh, Rose to Canto Bite. We're going to talk about that later. So okay, I'm just not a hundred percent taking it for granted that we're seeing two consecutive shots. I guess. Well, it could either be Luke's. Luke's hand or Ray's hand. I, I don't think anybody else is going to have access to the Journal of the Wills. I mean, unless it's Kylo Ren showing up, because Kylo Ren does show up on the planet later. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it could be Kylo Ren. Okay. I, I'm buying that. Okay. Definitely odds on favorite for this is Luke and Ray. Yeah. I'm with you there. Luke and Ray. Um, we uh, we see uh, – we do. I do want to talk about uh, – the background voices that we hear in the trailer. I don't want to talk about the the main voices, but we do hear background voices during the trailer. We hear uh, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi," which is Princess Leia. Um, we also hear uh, Obi Wan Kenobi say, "You know, 
seduced by the dark side of the force talking about Vader. And uh, we hear Yoda. He says, it's energy surrounds us and binds us. So God, they love that line. Yeah. They d- didn't they use that in the first trailer? Oh or, yeah. Well, they use that in the, in the movie. movie, in the, in the vision, Maz Kanata's yeah. castle. Yeah. It's like energy, energy, energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, a lot of force talk in those quotes and, uh, a lot of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I'm sure people that, uh, are speculating that Ray could be a Kenobi. I bet there's a lot more people thinking that here too. So yeah, people were cheering about that at the, at the panel when they were asking what yeah. she was. Yeah. Uh, we see a little bit of Ray's lightsaber training on a cliffside shot. Um, from what I'm hearing, in the movie, I'm hearing Luke doesn't have a lightsaber for most of the movie, if not the whole movie. Um, you know, he may get a scene where he's, you know, swinging a lightsaber, but for the majority of this film, he just has a stick, um, that he, he just uses a stick. He's, he's not really using a lightsaber. That's, that's Ray. And a lot of people are thinking like he's more of like the force magician, you know, at this point, at this stage. Where he, you know, maybe he's like outgrown the lightsaber, you know, it's all, it's all force, it's all magic, you know, it's, it's not, it's not wielding the, uh, Jedi saber. Yeah, why is he so far away while she's doing that? Uh, <laughs> you're asking the hard hitting questions. It's um, weird, right? Is he disapproving though? I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I never thought about that. Is it just artistic? It might just be artistic, kind of like, you know, that long shot of like, you know, what was it, uh, Daniel's son on the, uh, on the, on the the pole doing the crane kick, you know? (laughs) Nothing more artistic than the karate kick. No, there isn't, man. Good good go to. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's the only thing I could think of. No, no, seriously, though, I'm not making fun. That is good. That's good. But yeah. Yeah. Exactly like that. Exactly. (laughs) Just trying to look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were paying homage to Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Or is it like disapproving Father Luke? Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, if he's training her, I would hope that he's, I don't know, not being a... a, a I'm just so conflicted. What, yeah. If he's saying that there's no more Jedi, then why is he training anybody? Well, I mean, uh, we'll, let's, we'll get into that when we get into the dialogue. More. All right. Yeah. Um, we get a, uh, we see, uh, we get the shot of the new salt flat planet, Crate. The planet's name is Crate. And, uh, it's resistance. And, and, the, and this was filmed in Bolivia on a, it's, a, it's an actual salt flat. So, um, we'll yeah, talk. It looks a, very unique for yeah. Star Wars. We're going to talk about Crate and some of the other planets later, but we get a shot of these resistance. B-wing, I guess they're called B-wing land speeders. They're, it's nobody knows yet, but they're heading to take on the new gorilla walkers, uh, which are called AT4Xs. And um, these, yeah, you can see them just you barely, can, barely. They're bigger than like the the Adats in Empire, but they. Have, I had thought they were Adats just from the all you get to see. They're not. These are the these are the AT four Xs. They they're calling them gorilla walkers, and they have an arched back so that they kind of look like a gorilla, and it almost looks like their knuckles drag on the ground. And this scene is actually called the Battle of Crate. That was confirmed by Lucasfilm. I'm, we're going to talk about the Battle of Crate later on when we start getting into some of these planets, but that's the shot we see here. 
And um, the resistance B-wing speeders, they uh, they have these rods that hang down at the bottom, and uh, that might be for like balance. And then they're also spraying like this red smoke everywhere, and maybe that's like a warning to the rest of the resistance that you know. You know, they got a big battle going on and, and to join into the fight. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe that's just artistic too. <laughs> yeah, more, more artistry. More artistry. Uh, we, we get a shot of Finn in the back to suit and he's healing in the back to suit. So he's not in the back to tank. He's in this back to suit. And we kind of talked about that last year on the show. Um, yeah, Finn gets really shortchanged this trailer. Yeah. That yeah. was one, that was one disappointing aspect. I well, guess. I mean, hey, you know, we saw a lot of, I mean, we did see, you know, we saw some, you know, few returning characters, we, you know, but, you know, we didn't get a lot of Finn and we didn't get any new characters, really. I mean, we didn't get, uh, you know, Benicio Del Toro. We didn't get Laura Dern. You know, yeah, we, that's we, true. we didn't get any uh, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose. So um, we saw we see a scene of Poe and BB-8 running up to a uh, <laughs> it's Poe's X-Wing, his black X-Wing. Yeah, it does look like no, it. No, it no, does no. look to be. That's later. This is he's running. He, they're actually just running on the resistance ship, and the resistance ship is under attack. We see like explosions, and then right after that, we see Poe and BB-8 run into the X-wing hangar, and uh, we it possibly blows up Poe's black X-wing. But from what I'm hearing, like he's made some major upgrades to his black X-wing. It's faster. Some major major upgrades in this. Wow, I have heard. I've read the same stuff too that he has a new X-wing, yeah, of some kind, yeah, because they want to sell more toys again, probably. And what's weird is that they're showing Poe and BB-8 here together, yeah. but BB-8 is not with Poe this entire movie. BB-8 is actually on the mission with Finn and Kelly Marie Kelly Marie Tran <laughs> during the whole Canto Bite Casino Planet thing. Like BB-8, like. They put him in. They they ship him in cargo or something. He's like in a, and he's with he's with he's with Finn and Kelly Marie Tran. So these shots didn't make sense to me. So somewhere along the line they get separated again. Yeah, Ryan Johnson made it sound like on the panel that there was going to be a ton of BB-8. Oh, there he is. Said, yeah, there's he said a that ton. was the one thing that like J.J. Abrams like gave him advice was like you can't go wrong. Yeah. And, they, it's not going to be like overload to where you're just like sick of the character. It's just going to be a, the perfect amount is what I'm hearing. Yeah, because Ryan Johnson, I think he called, he called him like the Buster Keaton of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like basically like they would they had more brand new physical comedy gags they thought of. Right. That there was like plenty of like BB-8 fans. Don't worry. There's plenty of BB-8. Oh, that's awesome. I uh, on, oh go ahead. I was going to say on this uh, Poe running. With a BB-8 shot. Yeah. If uh, you're out there and you're like a big Poe Finn shipper and that's your thing, I've read that you can uh, play the trailer backwards here and you can get uh, Poe running to Finn. Because <laughs> you get those two scenes right here. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, I hear uh, BB-8 gets some upgrades too. Like in the... First, you know, in the in the first movie, we saw like the lighter, and he gave us the thumbs up. Of course, we're going to see more of those kind of things in this movie. So he's going to be like a uh, Swiss Army knife or something. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> What's the most ridiculous thing that BB-8 is eventually going to have an attachment for? Uh, like a vacuum cleaner. A <laughs> can opener. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, we get a shot of uh, A-Wings, and then we see the Millennium Falcon in a dogfight. Uh, we see a shot of Ray running into battle, I'm guessing. And yeah. we get Kylo Ren holding the lightsaber without the mask on. He's we get got, to see that scar for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hidden, but you do get to see it. And um, then we get a shot of Luke crouched behind, uh, besides R2-D2 in the trailer. And I think it's a different shot, but it's from the same scene in The Force Awakens from the vision where Luke puts his hand on R2. I'm 98% on that train with you. Because yeah. you get those same, like, flaming embers going yeah, around. yeah. And he's wearing the same black cloak, and he's crouched next to to R two. There, yeah. and so he's watching the his Jedi Academy b- go up in flames, right? Yeah, I I would think that that's a safe bet. So is this like another piece of the vision that's been given to Ray, or you know, I I, I don't think it's a like it's a I don't think it's a flashback. I just think it's like. It's got to be part of a force vision, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's one or the other. It's either Ray having another vision or Luke actually like supplying the vision. Okay, that's what I would think. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got a shot of uh, Phasma attacking the resistance with uh, flames behind her, and we also see um, her off to her sides. We see her. She's got, I think, two executioner stormtroopers with her. Yeah, it's hard to say. It looks like there could be a third one back in there. Yeah, it's two or three, maybe four. But yeah, there's she's got her executioner stormtroopers with her. We talked about the executioner stormtroopers last year. Um, I'm not going to get worked up about them after the uh, what were the Rogue One ones? Oh, uh, the Death the Troopers. Death Troopers. No, I, I, we will talk about Phasma and the uh, and the executioner troopers later. So. Yeah. We will. Lots of rumors that Phasma does something in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, we get a X-Wing and TIE Fighter battle going on after the Resistance is fleeing Dakar. We're going to talk about that later. That's a big, huge deal. Um, Luke, we see him by the entrance of the cave, the tree cave, and he says something we're going to talk about here in a moment. But if you take this picture and you lighten it up, I took a snapshot, I lightened it up, you can actually see Ray's staff. To the left of him, uh, to the left of the entrance. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking at that right now. I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got like an app on my phone, and I, I lighten up a ton of pictures. I, I lighten up that picture of the book of the wills or whatever, and that's really cool to look at. I can send that to you. But, yeah, I'd like um, to see that. Uh, let's talk about the quotes that we hear, Luke and. Daisy Ridley uh, Ray say uh, in the uh, lines of the trailer. Um, I, I, th- I think that, you know, like, I mean, I guess we could have like broken these down when we did the trailer breakdown, but I think it all kind of just makes more sense to just talk about them all together as like a package instead of breaking it up. No, no, I think you did a good job. There was a lot to talk about, I think, with the imagery. Right. Um, Luke says, breathe, just breathe. I honestly feel like he's actually talking to us Star Wars fans and he's telling us to just like breathe into a paper bag. Dude, here it is. Here's your fucking Last Jedi trailer. I think this is like a really meta statement he's making. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's right after a very startling moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think it's very funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, Laura Santeca in uh, Force Awakens hands, you know, uh, Poe Dameron, like the, the, the information on that, uh, necklace and says, uh, this'll make things right, you know? And people were talking about how JJ put that in there, in there is like a very meta, um, way of oh, saying yeah. that he's gonna put the Star Wars universe back on track after the prequels weren't like a huge hit with every, every fan. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he, Luke says, breathe, just breathe, now reach out. What do you see? Ray says, light, darkness. Luke says, the balance is so much bigger. And then at the end of the trailer, Luke says, I only know one truth. It's time for the Jedi to end. So let's talk about this, Jake. This is huge. There's, um, there's big speculation here is that the, uh, the saga films are introducing, um, gray Jedis and we, we've, we've seen gray force users and rebels. Um, with the Bendu, um, uh, in Rebels, the, the Phoenix Squadron, they're, they're based on, uh, Adelon. And, uh, Kanan, Jarrus, he meets this, uh, ancient being. Something that you'd kind of see in like a, uh, I'm trying to think of like what movie, kind of like, what's that movie with the Atreyu and, uh. Never Ending Story. Yeah, it kind of, Bendu kind of looks like a creature you'd see in Never Ending Story. And, okay. and, Bendu is, he claims to represent the center of the force. Uh, he says he stands between the light and the dark side. So Bendu tells Kanan that his imbalance had awoken him from his slumber. And he introduces himself to Kanan and Kanan says, you know, I'm a Jedi Knight. Bendu listens as Kanan told him about his fear that his apprentice Ezra Bridger was falling to the dark side. Kanan showed Bendu the Sith holocron that Ezra had that he'd gotten on Malachor. And then Bendu explains that an object could not make someone good or evil. He then, he then stressed that only a person could choose to change themselves. So at one point, Bendu tells Kanan that he doesn't care that the Empire has located the rebel base. And Kanan calls Bendu a coward for not helping to fight back. And so Bendu gets pissed off and suggests that it was possibly the will of the force to eradicate the Jedi quote, and all of your kind. So, I mean, this has been introduced into star Wars canon. Um, I think Jake and disagree with me if I'm wrong here, but I think like the closest thing we've seen to a gray Jedi or a gray force user. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying gray Jedi. Maybe I feel more comfortable saying gray force user. You're going to say Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got the conversation. Obi-Wan talking to Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan says, if you would just follow the code, you would be on the council. They will not go along with you this time. And then Qui-Gon says, Qui-Gon says, you still have much to learn, my young apprentice. It's almost Mm. like, it's almost... And, it, and it's weird to me, Jake, that the 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 first Jedi that figures out how to communicate as a Force ghost is Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting parallel there. You know, I mean, and I'm not saying that he was a great Jedi, but I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about if we if we're talking about the prequels, I mean, 
Lucas really did bring up a lot about the imbalance of the force in the prequels. It was brought up a lot there. And, you know, we've heard about imbalance in the force, but it was brought up a lot in the prequels. And I feel like, you know, if they go this kind of like gray force user route, that it kind of legitimizes a lot of the prequels. It makes me kind of like more excited to go back and watch those films. Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely sounds like this movie is going to be a lot more mythology heavy than the last movie. Like, right. I, I still expect it to be a Star Wars movie and feel like a romp, but it definitely sounds like we're going to get a lot more of the layout of the land as far as that kind of stuff is yeah. concerned. Yeah. About the state of the Jedi and the right. Sith and whatnot. Right. So i i i want to actually I want to read the Jedi Code. Um, the Jedi Code is. There is no emotion, there is peace. There is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the force. And I don't know, is that code going to hold up? I mean, it doesn't sound like it. It's, it doesn't sound like that. It's Yeah, how much of that even matters anymore at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there's no one left even on or any of that. Is Luke going to train Ray to be like the way Luke was kind of trained to be a light force, you know, light side force user? You know, I mean, I, I feel like her training is going to be different. I mean, what if what if bringing balance to the force means killing off the last Jedi, meaning Luke, like or the Skywalkers themselves have to come to an end? in order to bring balance to the force. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting theory. I think they've definitely cemented that we're, I, I've heard a lot of rumors that we really will. I think they even said it on the last Jedi panel that we're, we are going to learn stuff about race heritage too. And oh I'm, yeah. How much will that tie into all of this? Yeah. I, I'm, I, I've got plenty to say about that. Are you, are you buying the gray, the gray force stuff? Or do you think like, I'm not saying like this is a hundred percent where they're going. I'm just saying like is are you buying that this is a possibility? I'm buying that it's a possibility, but I'm less than fifty percent that this is where they're going. Right. And I'm not saying that they're gonna tie it in with rebels and bendus. I'm not saying we're gonna get a bendu on Octu, you know? No, I, you would never say that. I, I didn't take it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I find it I find this fascinating for them to go down this gray Jedi or this gray force user route. I mean, I, I've been looking towards other, to other Star Wars canon to, to find out anything more about it. And like, I guess like some of the Knights of the Old Republic, like some of it is canon and some of it isn't. They've kind of picked what they wanted to. And some of the Knights of the Old Republic stuff made it into like, you know, the season two finale of Rebels and like they've picked and choose what they wanted. But, yeah, um, and and they're fixing that problem too because ha- haven't they announced that they're rebooting Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah, yeah. And so that will be the official right. canon of Knights of the Old Republic once we get that. Do you think that maybe they introduce like the Disney Story Group? Do you think that they kind of introduce like this, you know, this Bendu character who like you know lives in the center of the Force? He's not light side. He's not dark side. He lives in the center. Do you think that they introduced? that character to kind of um, ease some of us other Star Wars fans into this idea, not to just hit us with it in 
and I'm not saying like everybody's watching Rebels, but I'm saying like some of the bigger fans out there are watching Rebels, and so like you know. W- w- It'll make it. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, trying to make the transition easier. They don't want to hit you with a midi chlorian. Right. Exactly. Boom. That's exactly what you, I'm saying. And have you be like, "What the fuck is this bullshit?" Right. Right. They're tra- they're trying to like, okay, we've we've established this and everything. Right. And like that quote that you were reading, um, the Jedi Code. That's that's direct stuff from the Journal of the Wills. Which yeah. is really old Lucas stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, and then in, uh, there's, it's read differently in, um, I think Revenge of the Sith, you can see it, but it, it reads differently in Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's part of the books that the kids are reading. Mm. It, it reads differently, but it's the same, it's the same stuff. It just reads differently. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the younglings when they're, when they're training. Um, let's, you know what, we're gonna, um, we're gonna take a, we, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, I want, but when, when we get back, I want to talk about, no, no, it's just a break. It's just a break. It's not the end of the road. I'm done. All right. Um, no, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about Luke and Ray and, um, and all that shit, that relationship between them. We're going to talk about some of the comments that the, that uh, Daisy really made over celebration and stuff, but we'll be right back with that. All right, cool. Hey, we are back. Yes, good break. Yeah. Hey, did you see the uh, did you see the celebration picture uh, that they had? It was uh, Kathleen Kennedy, George Lucas, um, uh, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and uh, instead of Carrie Fisher, it was Billy Lord. Yes, man. I don't know. I got I got a little teary eyed, man, when I saw that picture. Yeah. Wow. Did you watch the? Uh Carrie Fisher tribute video, dude. I, I'm sorry, I haven't seen any of that stuff, man. I just been doing notes. I didn't get to watch any of the panels, nothing. Oh, you have to see it. It's great. They they actually like play a reel. It's about a four to five minute reel that they play. Yeah, and it is. It's just beautiful. Like yeah. you, you will not make it through without wow. tearing up. I, I gotta swear. watch it. I gotta watch it. Did you know she script doctored this uh, episode eight? Oh, I believe it. Yeah, she totally did. I thought that was really cool. Uh, That's really cool. let's get back to, uh, let's get back to Luke and Ray. Um, I, uh, I found some quotes from Daisy Ridley over celebration when she talked to Fandango that Luke doesn't know who Ray is when they first meet in The Force Awakens. She said, Ray, obviously, Luke doesn't even know who she is when she turns up with his lightsaber that he hasn't seen in however long. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting, Jake. Yeah, I believe it. Is it squashing some uh, Ray is Luke's daughter a little bit? Did it take it yeah. down a notch? It does take it down a notch. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be the swerve. You never know. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. But, yeah, if the statements are true, it took it down a, a huge notch. Um, yeah. I've always thought that Ray 
is either a Kenobi or Ray is Ray. Um, I don't know. And with it, with it being, he's talking about, you know, with it being the last, you know, the, the Jedi's, you know, this is the last of the Jedi's. I mean, I, I can't believe that the Skywalker family goes on in any capacity except for maybe Kylo. I mean, if, if he does, if he does, if he does a flip. Yeah, and I don't know how much stock you could take into that first uh, Ray Luke meet and greet either. Like, because I've always thought that that may play off much like uh, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, to where he may be like just messing with her with what he's telling her at first. Hmm. Yeah, they they talk about the relationship between, you know, Luke and Ray. Uh, Daisy said she goes, "There's always been an expectation of Luke." On Luke as to his potential, what he can do and what he should do, much like with Ray. So in that sense, they're kind of similar, but obviously their dynamic has changed because she's expecting something from him this time and it remains to be seen how he reacts to that. I don't know. And I've been hearing like Luke's different than Yoda. Luke, Luke isn't Yoda and it's, it's different. It's, it's going to be different. I don't, I don't know how, how much of a clone this is going to be the like empire and I, I feel I, from everything I'm hearing, like this is its own movie, its own story. Like, you know, the force awakens was, you know, like that was the, uh, the star Wars that we needed for that time to put mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, put us back into this world and, you know, give us a taste of like the old star Wars that we used to know and love. And that this is its own movie. It's, it, it feels different. Uh, you know, new, New ships, new characters, and I hear like the, the costumes in this one are even way better than they were in The Force Awakens, that everything, they've upped the, they up the ante and everything, that the story's different, everything's different. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm buying it. I'm just throwing it out there that yeah. maybe he won't be up front with her at first. Yeah. I think as different as the story is, is gonna be, or as they're claiming it to be, like, it's impossible to not have those nods to what has come before. Like, that's obviously happening too. Right. I mean, I mean, she may think he's like a little out there when she first meets him, but I don't know. I, I think that he's just gonna be hesitant to train her because he hasn't even figured out, like, if, if we are talking about gray force users, he hasn't even figured it out himself. And that's what he's yeah. still trying to figure out. You know, um, but, uh, we learned that Ray's parentage will be addressed, but possibly, you know, not solved in episode eight. Here are quotes from Ryan Johnson to G, uh, Good Morning America. He says, uh, it's something that is obviously, uh, going, absolutely going to be addressed. The other part of it is there are lots of surprises in this movie and lots of twists and turns. And I really want people to experience those when they see the movie for the first time. How we address that and how you feel about it and what happens with this. Uh, with that is one of them. So MTV, they also asked Daisy Ridley about the same thing, you know, about her parentage. And she says, the one thing I have seen, because I did some ADR last week, was a little clip of something I didn't know was going to happen in it. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. I think quite a few questions people have are answered in this. Yeah, wow. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Do you think we're going to get answers? Or do you think gonna, do you think we're going to have to wait until episode nine? Uh, I think we're going to get like seventy five percent of the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More speculation, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get the whole story, but I think we're going to get the bigger part of the story. I also want to point out, makingstarwars.net. They did say that Luke does explain to Ray 
her relationship to the force and why she's important to the force. And he may even get into like the awakening of the force in this one and what it meant. Hopefully that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. Too much exposition is never a good thing. Okay. Jay, let me, let me, let me break this. Let me break. Let me ask you this question. We'll try to break this down. I want to know your thoughts. I have my thoughts, but like, why is Luke on Ock two? Why? You know, you know, like, why is he there? You know, like, uh, I'm buying the Jedi Temple r- yeah. rumors. Yeah, what? But yeah, of course, he's searching out the Jedi Temple. Like, is it? Is it like the? You know, like after he defeated the Emperor, and you know, and you know, the Emperor, and you know, you you defeat the Empire, and you know, things are going okay. You know, you're training your your nephew, and all of a sudden, like. Kylo shows back up with the Knights of Ren, torches the Jedi school. You've got if you're Luke, you got to be thinking to yourself like, why is this still happening? Why? Why is this still happening? Like, and maybe I think he's looking for answers. Yeah, I think Luke needs Ray just as much, if not more, than as as much as Ray needs Luke. I honestly do. I think I think he needs her. I don't think he can do what is needed to be able to do what he wants to do. He needs Ray to figure out what he needs to do in Act Two, or even do it. Like even have the power to do it. Hmm. I don't buy that. Um, I think I think a lot of us are stuck in the expanded universe thinking of like how powerful Luke is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent on that. Well, maybe maybe Ray yeah. is more more powerful than he is. Well, that, maybe not at this point. Maybe she has the potential to be more powerful than him. I, I feel like that could be the case. Um, maybe Lee. he needs her. Maybe you need a master and apprentice to get into this Jedi Temple in the first place. Well, that's to be how able to destroy it in the first place. That's how it worked in the in the Sith Temple in Rebels. It had Darth Maul had to have Ezra Bridger there in order to get the holocron. Yeah, exactly. Right. I know there's been other precedent of that kind of thing. Right. So right. maybe that's the case. Like maybe Luke is desperate for Ray's help just as much because he needs her to get in there. Right. To do his thing. Now, how did he get? How did he find out about? How did he find out about the Jedi Temple? How did he find out about the location of Octu? I don't know, but. Making StarWars.net, they brought up. They didn't discuss this. They didn't reveal anything. They they said they're not going to be able to reveal it until a later date. But they did really quick talk about Luke's compass. They they brought it up and then dropped it. They talked about Luke's compass. So it's like they can't they can't tell us what it is, but we can sure as hell speculate. So like, is the compass <laughs> Luke's force compass? Yeah, like is Luke's compass? Is it something that gave him the location, directed him to Octu, or is it something he's already found Octu and the compass is going to take him to some other greater mystery? Uh, I think it's the the previous. I think it's what found Octu in the first place. Yeah, he'll probably end up explaining that to Ray, how he got there and showing her the compass. Mm, more fun exposition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, let's see here. Um, it does sound like it does sound like at one point in the movie that um, some villains show up on Act Two. 
and I'm hearing it could be Kylo Ren and his his cronies, his bad guys that follow him that are dressed in black. And I'm hearing that they're not the Knights of Ren and they're not these Praetorian guards that we're going to talk about later. Um, but they come into the film and they crash on Octu. They crash the island and a bunch of jerks. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting, man. I can't yeah, wait. When do you think that's going to happen in the movie? I think we've had this exact question before because we've talked about yeah. this sequence before. This isn't yeah. the first time we brought up the Kylo Ren and his troop showing up to spoil Ray and Luke's fun. I think that they're going to be on Octu a lot. I think it's going to be a lot. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of the movie is just going to be Ray and, and Luke on Octu training and doing things. And I think that they'll show up in the, yeah. either the second act of the movie or in the third act when the first order is hunting down the, like the rest of the resistance. I hate to say it, but what, what you're saying is to me mirrors Empire Strikes Back. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I honestly feel like I feel like the odds are stacked against them in this movie. I think it, it I think the resistance is in bad shape this movie. Like really oh, yeah. really bad shape. Oh really yeah, even shape. more so Miriam and Prior Strikes back. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Right. Um This is this is news that came out of celebration and Ryan Johnson confirmed the destruction of the Republic. Um, I mean, we, we saw it destroyed in the last movie. Starkiller Base, mm-hmm. like, destroyed those planets. Um, and he said, well, yeah, I mean, Starkiller Base, big loss, big loss. But they did manage to take out the seat of the Republic, and that's thrown the galaxy into chaos. And the First Order are jumping on that at the beginning of our movie very aggressively, not sitting on their hands. They're making some big moves at the start of our film, so things are going to get dire. <sighs> Yeah, the First Order. There's some real go-getters. Yeah. So this sounds like it's actually, like, at the beginning of the movie, the First Order is just trying to wipe out the re- the rest of the Resistance. I think yeah, this is so- going to – I think it's going to go on, though, the entire movie. I really don't think – I think it's going to go – I think this is going to be, like, Poe Dameron. His story is, like, evading the Resistance, and we'll talk about that later, but I think we're going to see a lot of that in this film. You know what's crazy to me is uh, we've talked a lot about how this movie is going to open up basically where the last one left off, you know? Right. But I don't buy it. Like, I, I have a hard time not believing a Star Wars movie isn't going to open up with a uh, First Order ship. Oh, it's going to. Kind. I think it is. I think it's going to open up with Snoke's ship. I think we're going to start off with Snoke and and what's going on with him. I do. I think that that's where they're going to – and I could be wrong. But I think I am a hundred percent with you. Like I, that's why I'm, that's why I'm so like weirded out by it. Like, yeah, no, no way we're starting with cut to Ray. No, I no, just I just don't buy it. I think they're talking about Snoke's mega destroyer, and I think we're going to see a huge shot of Snoke's mega destroyer. And oh yeah, how can you waste that? They've been right. going on and on about how that's like one of the biggest ships we've ever seen. How yeah. are they not going to cut to that? Yeah, yeah, I guarantee that's what we're probably going to see. So let's um, let's talk about uh, you know we've we've kind of talked about a lot of things, but I want to talk about some of the other just scenes and planets and characters and like what they're going to be doing, what they're possibly going to be doing in the Last Jedi. So um, all this news comes from making StarWars.net, and first thing I want to talk about, of course, it's kind of a no-brainer, but it's Luke being reunited 
with R2-D2 and Chewbacca. And I know it's a no-brainer, but from everything that I'm hearing from MakingStarWars.net and what they're hearing from their sources is that it's a big deal, it's very emotional, and it's going to get you in the feels, man. It really is. Wow. You know, he hasn't seen Chewbacca in years, and the last time he saw R2, he was fleeing the planet after the Jedi Academy was burnt to a crisp. So, I mean... I was just worried that he wouldn't care anymore for some reason or not. No, from what everything I'm hearing is, is man, it's, it's, it's really emotional. I mean, and, you know, he's going to hear from Chewbacca and R2 about the loss of Han Solo. You know, I mean. Uh, yeah, that's brutal. It's, yeah. So I'm hearing a lot about this scene being very emotional. So, um, and Chewbacca and R2 are going to be on Octu while Ray is training. So Do you think Luke's going to take guilt for uh, Han dying? Oh, think that's going to hurt. I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I really do. So um, let's move on into um, you know we've talked about in a previous episode the uh, these birds that are native to the island of Michael Skellig. That, uh, the puffins. The puffins. So we're going to talk about those. Like there were, uh, they resemble the puffins. And at one time there was speculation that they could be convaries, you know, convaries that we've seen in Rebels, those birds. But these birds are not convaries. Um, these have been confirmed to be called porgs. And they have. Pogs? Porgs. P O R G S, porgs. And they, they look cute, but they also look terrifying. They have like, it's weird. It's kind of like a weird mix, they said. And they have all black eyes. And in the past, I've heard like they might have teeth. <laughs> and that's, that's not confirmed. Um, neither was the rumor that, uh, you know, we heard about like Luke when he first got there, the porgs put him through a trial. <laughs> the trial of the porgs. Yeah, like the, he, the teeth would make him look more terrifying, that's for sure. Yeah, and we might we still might get that. We might there might be a scene of that. I mean, who knows like, you know, like uh, you know, uh some of uh, you know, Kylo Ren's men crash or like land and all of a sudden they see these cute little birds and the next thing you know it goes all Jurassic Park where like that one dinosaur like starts shaking that fin out of the side of his fucking head and spitting toxic shit on their faces but like they (laughs) they might start shaking you might see their black eyes and like fucking teeth and them attack you know you never know it might go all ewok on us for all we know but yeah and it's still in post so they they don't have all the facts yet because it's not even done yet but like i you know i heard the rumor that like when luke first got there that he had to go through a fucking trial because like this is their planet this is where they live and like luke had to go through a trial in order to prove himself and so like when ray gets there she also has to go through the same trial I don't know if any of that's true. These are just past rumors that haven't been confirmed. But uh, these these puffins, these porgs, are a thing, and this is go- they're going to be a big part of the movie. From what I'm hearing, this is just not like throwaway shit. Like these, por- <laughs> are we talking? It's the next spinoff a- after Rebels is yeah. Star Wars porgs. Star Wars porgs. 
I mean, the Ewoks have their own fucking cartoon series, but we're going to get porgs. These are, these are birds. I'm also hearing that there's baby porgs in the film because someone reported that they saw, Aww. they saw a nest. But I hear the baby porgs are like really terrifying. Like their feathers aren't, like, <laughs> they're even worse. Yeah, they're worse. You know, like, have you ever seen like baby owls? You ever done like a, you do a YouTube search for baby owls. They're fucking scary as all shit. I'm they look Googling like, it now. they look like fucking aliens and shit. But they, they, they don't have their feathers in. They just look really gross and kind of slimy. And, um, so I hear that there's baby porgs in this film. Somebody reportedly saw a nest and, um, there's, we know Ray is going to be trained by Luke, but you know, like what's Chewbacca doing while Ray and Luke are training? I'm hearing that they might have shot some scenes of just Chewbacca in nature. You know, Chewbacca's dealing with like the death of Han Solo and like maybe, you know, like maybe he comes across these porgs and this is, it's been a rumor. It's not confirmed, but there might be footage of Chewbacca out there on his own little adventure with these porgs. Hmm. And that seems kind of, that seems kind of wild, but maybe. Well, hold on. Let, let me throw this out there. And this is just 100% sp- Sorry, I just kicked my dog accidentally. I didn't know he's sitting by my feet. Um <laughs> I um let me this is 100% speculation, but you know, there's a nest of baby porgs. Let's say, you know, and like I read the Chewbacca comic book. It was a mini series and it came out a couple years ago and it was basically like this little girl's family was enslaved and this was like Chewbacca and he's on his own adventure and he's, he's not, Han's not involved. I mean, Chewbacca's on this planet and there's this girl and her family, her family's been enslaved. So he's like this Samaritan and he helps her and he helps like free her family and like, you know, all these people from, uh, from, you know, from, from these baddies. And what if, what if, you know, what if he comes across the, like, this is 100% speculation on my part, but what if he comes across like a nest of, of like a baby porg or, or porgs that have like been abandoned by their mother and he starts to like raise the baby porg, <laughs> you know, like, like the old guy from like Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Are you trying to make Star Wars spinoff movies? No, 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 no. I'm saying, hold on. Like, listen to me here. Like, Han just died, okay? And, like, what better way (laughs) to cope with someone's death than to help somebody in need, somebody that needs you? Like, he he feels like, you know, like, maybe maybe Chewbacca doesn't, you know, he's lost somebody important in his life. And so, like, now he feels needed. There's this, like, helpless baby porg, and he comes across this little baby porg. And like he starts to raise it, like that dude from Shawshank Redemption, that old guy. That what's that? What's that little fucking crow's? You know that he takes care of and shit. And so like, I know what you're talking I'm about. Saying, I like, forget his name. Yeah, so they're on, they're out there for months, and he's raising this little baby porg because like maybe the other porgs don't want to like uh, raise this uh, you know abandoned porg baby. Like you know, like we don't we don't we only take care of our own babies. So like this baby porg is gonna die out there. And Chewbacca's like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And he feels useful. You know what I mean? He feels like I'm important again. So he's, he raises this baby pork. And like, you know, we see like later on, like, here's Chewbacca and he's got a baby pork like perched on his shoulder, like a fucking pirate and shit. And, you know, kind of like a uh, rocket, rocket on Groot and shit. I mean, that could sell some more Chewbacca toys. You know, you got a little baby pork on his shoulder and shit, you know, Chewbacca and pork. Like that's your action figure. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird because everything we've heard is the porgs aren't cute. 
Oh no, they're I hear that they I hear that they're cute but also terrifying in a way. Like kind of like uh, uh, kind of like uh they've been compared to gremlins. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, I mean, they're birds. They're birds. They have these black eyes. They might not look terrifying until like they show their teeth if they do have teeth. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's all speculation. I know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I, All right, bring on the porgs. I, no, the, por- the porgs. I'm telling you, porgs are in the movie now. If Chewbacca, Chewbacca takes care of one, probably not. I'm making that up. That's like 100% made up. Yeah, if that happens, oh my god. Oh, fuck you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Chewbacca needs some redemption after he lost his buddy Han. And I think it'd be cute. Hey, can you give me a break for one second? Yep. All right, yeah. Okay, we're back. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so you 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 hate my uh, Chewbacca porg adventure. <laughs> yeah, please no, please no. We, we, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what the First Order is up to. Let's talk about actually characters. Let's talk about Snoke. Yeah, Snoke. I was hoping we'd get to see a peek at Snoke in the uh, teaser. Uh, I don't know why, but there was just so much... Uh, talk about his new look and everything that I thought maybe it was possible. Yeah, uh, makingstarwars.net is, uh, let me read off what they're talking about. This is uh, Snoke's new look. The Emperor gets new clothes. So let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Snoke is looking more and more like a new character. I always believe this to be the case, but you still have to speculate and ask, what if? In Star Wars, The Force Awakens, the Supreme Leader is dressed in black via hologram, looking like he shops at Palpatine's old hotspots. The thing is, old Snoke wears more outfits than just that boring black robe. And in The Last Jedi, we get to see him looking very decadent. I think what he wears is probably insightful to his values and concerns as as an evil being. Snoke wears a goldy silk robe with a very ornate pattern on it in The Last Jedi. In fact, I think you can pretty much see the robe on page 226 of The Art of Star Wars, The Force Awakens. What is also interesting is his slippers are like jester shoes or genie slippers. So they kind of like curl up. That's what uh, they're saying here. Oh, wow. Uh, They're also gold because you have to match if you are that far in with the gold robe. I think the robe and shoes are lined in red, too. So he's styling. He has a very blood and gold vibe to him. So like, it looks like he's in like this very ornate kind of like, they kind of described it as like a kimono, uh, that he's wearing. And they say, another interesting detail is that Snoke wears a fancy ring on his left hand. Remember when I told you guys about those long puppet hands they made for him? Well, his hands are decrepit and his pinky is sort of shriveling inward. But that doesn't stop him from being from wearing a ring about the size of a ring pop, if you remember the old candy. However, the stone in the ring is black, and it could be a black kyber crystal, according to the rumors around the ring. There will be more on that side of things later. So that's really interesting. Yeah, a whole new Snoke. That's that's wild. They talk about how uh, they don't have a lot of details on his throne room, but it is opulent. Uh, this guy cares about money. Back when he was a good-looking young person, he was probably a playboy of some sort. Sorry, my – god damn it. My animals are freaking out. Uh, 
Go ahead. I've heard they were introducing a new kind of guard, too, for Snoke. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Praetorian Guards here in a moment. Oh, my apologies. Don't don't worry about it, man. I've got this covered, dude. I've got this shit. On, <laughs> I've got this shit on lock, man. So don't sweat it. Um, unlike the Sith, I think wealth means a lot to Supreme Leader Snoke based on his appearance. They base Snoke's design on a marble aesthetic, and I think his throne room has white marble and gold trim. Um, if Snoke has two tigers that walk around his house, it wouldn't surprise me. They say. Um, <laughs> Here, they're going to they're gonna talk about the Praetorian Guards now. Things get weirder when it comes to the new Praetorian Guards, of which there are six to eight of them. I'm not sure if they're actually called Praetorian Guards or if that is their placeholder name because of the similarity to the Roman Imperial Guards. These guys are a new spin on the Royal Guards of that of Emperor Palpatine. And they have glossy red armor, shell plating, and matte red cloth elements for the capes and such. The old guards had the black visor that defined them, but these new guys have a much different head shape. These new guards all have different helmets, but they don't have visors to the best of my knowledge. The helmets are a lot like the far-out designs they came up with for Kylo Ren in Star Wars The Force Awakens, where it was sort of like a medieval helmet with upward-facing shields with no eye holes. The helmets are... That seems like a bad design move, like... um wasting eight good helmet ideas instead of just one good one Eh, sell more figures that way i don't know i don't know if they're gonna sell figures for these i mean we didn't get any figures for like the knights of ren you know so yeah um you know i'm hearing like each each guy has his own guards like the praetorian guards are under snoke um kylo ren has his own guards in this movie like those guys dressed in all black that show up on act two possibly and then like even phasma has like her executioner stormtroopers so like you know i'm hearing that it's 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 like kind of like they're talking about you know he, he mentioned roman imperial guards earlier like this is like royalty like each faction of royalty like has their own guards and things so yeah that makes sense yeah um the interesting thing about the praetorian guards is that they all have different weapons pretty much uh, pretty much all of the Ninja Turtles are represented. Uh, represented. Uh, for instance, one has a staff with, uh, but with two blades on each end. One uses nunchucks. One uses a sword, and I think one has some kind of throwing weapon and knives. Uh, there are more weapons, but I'm not entirely sure what the rest of the breakdown is for them. These guys are in Snoke's opulent dwelling, and they're his personal elite guard. I've been told these guys will have an action sequence in the film, and they do actually do something. They will do something. Yeah, so we shouldn't be disappointed by them. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. Not, oh, go ahead. I, I'm excited. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, it goes on to say, I'm not entirely convinced that the Black Knights that show up on Act 2 are the Knights of Ren anymore. I do wonder if they're, the, they're related to the Praetorian Guards or if they're lesser versions of these elite guards. It is weird that there are other melee-based uh, guys in knight-type outfits, and they're not the Knights of Ren. Maybe the Knights of Ren are simply Kylo's unit of elite warriors and aren't that special in the big scope of things. It would seem Praetorian Guards would be above the Knights of Ren in this context. Yeah, that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. The Knights of Ren are just a bunch of snot-nosed punk kids. They don't matter. Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know if we're going to see them in this movie. I, from what I've heard, like... They could not get confirmation that the that the guards dressed in all black that show up on Act Two are the Knights of Ren. So these <laughs> yeah. could be. I, I buy it too. I bet yeah. they are just some some other kind of first order trooper. Right. 
Right. Um, Snoke will be on his Mega Destroyer for a lot of the film, from what I understand. I think his palace could be inside this ship, once referred to as a mobile command unit. The Mega Destroyer itself is shaped like a flying wing. It just might be the biggest ship we've seen in a Star Wars outside of a Death Star. You know how the classic Star Destroyer has three large engines? I think this one has at least ten, and they're double stacked. This is also the setting where the First Order BB units can be glimpsed with their hexagonal-shaped heads and glossy black bodies with vents that glow red on the inside. So, yes, the First yeah, Order... First Order BB-8 droids. Yes, and these things I hear are not cute in any way. Um, yeah. I heard they're real steampunky, kind of. Yeah, and they have those vents, and it's almost like a fire glowing red inside of them. They just look evil as fuck, man. And I want to see these these hexagonal-shaped heads. That's really weird. Oh, that's so smart, taking something so adorable and then making it just super evil. These aren't the only BB-8 units in the film, though, and I'm going to talk about those later. Yeah, I've heard there's lots of, lots of BB-8 units. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke was let down by Kylo Ren when he failed to stop the girl. Now he is trying to prove himself. He doesn't wear his helmet as much as he did in the first film, from what I've been told. His new, uh, tie has pointy wings like the tie interceptor, but with a pill-shaped body. The cockpit is sort of like an old B-29 bomber compared to the classic tie cockpit window. The thrusters in the back remind me of the Falcon as they glow blue and sort of evoke the Falcon. The custom ship was supposedly made to his specifications so he could take down the resistance. And I believe we see Kylo fly from the Mega Destroyer in his new ship. This is interesting that they're, they're kind of comparing it to the Millennium Falcon in ways and to his own specifications. I mean, if he's the son of Han Solo, it would make sense that he's flown the Falcon. I mean, there was that scene that they actually left out of the film where we see Kylo Ren sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And it makes sense that as a child, this, you know, Kylo as a child would have flown the Falcon. And so he's used to that. So this is really cool news to me. Wow. That is really cool news. I I wonder if that's going to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I really want to see this new. It's not the the same ship that we saw, that black ship where the the wings were up. in the uh, the first movie when we saw him land, you know. Yeah, and it really didn't get much play anyway. We right. really didn't get to see it, like, in battle or do much. Exactly. Um, they go on to talk about Captain Phasma. Captain Phasma has a spear and two executioner stormtroopers. The First Order is not messing around in The Last Jedi. They're relentlessly hunting the Resistance fleet in the film, and Poe and his gang have a reason to run. The First Order is more fearsome than we thought, and they don't even have a Starkiller at this time. Uh, they have a mega destroyer, elite guards, execution stormtroopers, and a Captain Phasma that actually fights this time. So, <laughs> basically, I, go what ahead. do you think that mega destroyer is doing? Like, what do you think? Is it it's, blowing up all fleets at once? It's chasing down Poe Dameron and the rest of the resistance. I guarantee you. I guarantee yeah. you that's what it's doing. I mean, the resistance, we're going to talk about them, but I, I believe that they're fleeing Dakar. They're all, they're, they're fleeing Dakar. There's another base set up that we're going to talk about on Crate. And I feel like that that mega destroyer is just out to just wipe out the rest of the fucking resistance, man. Whatever's left, they're wiping them out, man. Yeah. All right. I could see it. And that thing just like basically like deploys fleets probably. Yeah. Just fleets upon fleets or what. 
an yeah. interesting point that makingstarwars.net brought up. Um, Jason Ward was talking about this with Randy and he said, they said something like, what if Kylo Ren, like, you know, Snoke felt like he let him down and, and what if Kylo Ren does a flip? Maybe not in this movie, but like in the next movie and like, the reason that they're setting up all like these different guards and like these different elite, these elite guards, these execution stormtroopers and, you know, and all these different groups, you know, Knights of Ren and all these different things is because they're trying to make the resistance, the, excuse me, the first order that much bigger and badder so that when they do lose, if they do lose their main guy, Kylo Ren, it doesn't seem like the first order is fucked. Like, like, okay, you know, Kylo Ren comes back, you know, he, he sees what he did wrong, you know, and he comes back and he's going to fight for the good. But it's not like they got like the hand up now. It's not like they got the edge now. It's it, because like now we've seen like what the First Order is working with and these guys are fucking stacked. Yeah, I kind of always thought that from the get go anyway a little bit. Like, I know Kylo Ren is big with the First Order, but right. I always, like, thought of him as just another tool of the First Order. I never thought of him as, like, the driving force of their power, you know? Well, especially after, like, reading the novelization of, you know, Star Wars The Force Awakens, it felt like Snoke, when he's talking to Rey and telling Rey to kill Kylo, that he's kind of like moved on from Kylo. Like, this is who I need, you know, like this is my shiny new toy and mm-hmm. this is who I need. And, you know, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, it feels like there, there's a part of me that thinks that Kylo could leave. And, and it's not like the first order is going to be hurting for people to fight for him. They've got, I mean, they've got plenty. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially if they actually make Captain Phasma formidable. That right. would be nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. And I hope, I mean, they say Phasma does something, but I want these execution stormtroopers to kick some ass too. And I, I do hope that the execution storm, one of the execution stormtroopers is one of the stormtroopers that Finn used to pal around with back in the day, you know? Oh, that would be hilarious. I, I, I want to see more Finn stormtrooper like stuff too. I, we're like, gonna, I'm, I, I'm with you there. We're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. There was the rumor, you know, Tom Hardy, we we know that he's got a cameo role in this movie. I think he's going to be doing the uh the Daniel Craig, the Daniel Craig cameo. You know, we <laughs> you know, we got we got Daniel Craig in the last film as a uh, stormtrooper. We got his voice. I think that's what they're going to be doing here with Tom Hardy. The rumor is that Finn shows up and some of the some of the first order uh, stormtroopers see him, and he tells them that he's undercover, or they believe, or they think he's undercover, like he got promoted and he's undercover. And the reason, like, they don't just kill him is because Phasma and Hux and Snoke kind of like said, you know, we can't we can't let everybody know that you know they made. Phasma a fool in that last movie. We've got to keep some kind of like order. Like we can't let everybody know that like Finn threw her down a trash compactor, you know? Oh, wow. That plays into it, huh? Yeah. They want to keep like this, uh, this veil that, you know, um, of power, kind of like uh wizard of Oz, like don't look behind the curtain. We, they don't want the stormtroopers to see any weakness. So they don't let that news get out, you know? 
um, that she gave out the uh, that she dropped the shields and all that stuff. And so they don't know that Finn is a traitor. And, and everybody that did know that Finn was a traitor was pretty much killed. And so when they see when he when Tom Hardy sees Finn, he's like slaps him on the butt and says, "All right, man, good job. You know, wait, way to get promoted to undercover. Good job." Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> he's he's back in. Exactly. Oh man, I think it's pretty amazing. Uh, let's talk about. Let's move on. We've been talking about the first order. Let's move on into the resistance, and I want to talk about um, Laura Dern's character, and um, Laura Dern's character. Her name might be Admiral Holdo in Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Okay. And um, this is from MakingStarWars.net. They said, that is the name being used by people around the production to talk about her. The strangest part is she doesn't look anything like an admiral in the classic sense. Admiral Holdo wears a long, regal mauve gown with a short cape that hangs down in the back with a concealed laser pistol. She has metallic braces around her wrists. Um they say her pink hair is curled with a flapper vibe to to it, but it's not incredibly short. I've also heard that she has purple hair, so I don't know if it's pink or purple. Yeah, I've heard the the pink and purple myself. Uh, she's kind of the anti- uh, antithesis of Leia's new general look of a brown dress with her uh, a New Hope blaster pistol. So, yeah, I hear that Leia uh, General Organa has her old blaster pistol that we saw in – in A New Hope, <laughs> in this film. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, Admiral Holdo looks very much like a design from the prequel era of Star Wars. I've also heard it compared to like some of like the um, the rich elite people in uh, what's that movie? The The Hunger Games. Like she looks like a Hunger Games type of character. Yeah, I've also heard very much that she kind of looks like just like a classic classic but prequel character yeah that's what they're saying yeah that her design is very much like a prequel era character of star wars yeah yeah that's really i'm really excited to see her i I, she sounds like a really interesting character i think laura dern's a great actress and it really sounds like she's gonna be like someone that's really gonna stir shit up with uh poe oh yeah yeah um Kathleen Kennedy uh, confirmed that uh, – we talked about this last week. There was news from Todd Fisher. Todd Fisher said uh, – Carrie Fisher's son said that uh, Leia uh, will be showing up in Episode 9. They're going to use unused footage, maybe stand-ins, things like that. And that is not the case. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy has confirmed that she will not be shown in Episode 9. Yes. And, um, but um, you know, we've heard that Leia – is going to be taken out of the film somehow. Like we've heard, they couldn't get confirmation, but there there might be a bomb that goes off. Um, I, I, well, what is it? Force nap? Yeah, <laughs> she goes into a force coma. Force coma. Force coma. That was Jay. Yeah. Um, I've <laughs> th- th- she does wear. I've heard that she does wear a black dress in this, and the the rumor is. That and it's speculation that she might have sh- that she might be showing up for Han Solo's funeral. Um, mm. You think we're going to see that? I I do. I, I think we are. I, at first, I didn't, but I've 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 seen enough pictures from the you know the Dubrovnik set where it looks like there are a lot of people dressed in black, and it looks like a funeral procession and. 
that's the thing. Like that, that's that's what people are talking about. Is that if Leia is this general, would she show up to Han's funeral, or you know, or or would she understand that Han would want her to do her mission? You know, Han was out doing his own thing, and so if she didn't show up to the funeral, Han would understand and she would do her mission. But you know, it it would make sense to take her out there because like. If Han's funeral was going on and if like the first order caught wind of it, they, they would, they would look for her there. Yeah, I agree. That's, wow. Sorry. That, that's a lot to process. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. Silent there. Yeah. No, it, and another thing is like they're saying that maybe she's there because that's, that's, that's part of her mission. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know, and I, I don't know anything more about that. There, there's no confirmation that a bomb does go off and take her out of commission. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine. No matter what, they weren't going to have her in the movie a ton. Oh, like it's probably just everything. Be I'm, a couple scenes. Everything I'm hearing is that she. Everything I was hearing before this was that she was a big part of this story. That she has a bigger part in this one than she does in. In the Force Awakens. Now, whether that's the whole movie, it doesn't sound like it. I mean, for, for all we know, she's taken out. She's taken out. She can't lead, and she's in a hospital bed somewhere. Okay, and that's where we get some of her scenes, and that's where Laura Dern's character takes over. So, um, you know, and it sounds like from what they're saying that Laura Dern's character might be left over from like the Old Republic. That makes sense. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk more about Admiral Holdo, Laura Dern's character. Um, making Star Wars.net said Admiral Holdo appears to be Poe Dameron's nemesis in the film as he guides the remnants of the resistant fleet through the galaxy as they outrun the First Order fleet. Poe is primarily leading this fleet, but there is a moment where we will see that his black X-Wing has been upgraded with some new engines, making the ship even faster. So don't worry if you want to see one hell of a pilot doing his thing in The Last Jedi. Uh, on a side note, there are Resistance BB units in the film, too. However, these guys look very rusty and old. They are not evocative of R2-D2 like BB-8 is. I want to say they're almost steampunk in design. Their look is very brassy and beat up. And they're in contrast to the First Order BB units that are black with red-hot vents on the side of the body. It all makes BB-8 all the more unique. However, it appears BB-8 will be with Finn and Rose for the majority of the film. We still aren't sure if Poe will fly with one of the new Brass Resistance BB droids or if BB-8 will return in time for a reunion fight with Poe. So, um, yeah, Resistance, Resistance BB units all in Brass. And these guys basically, it sounds like they just serve a function. It, they don't have like the personality of like the like of BB-8, you know, the orange and white. And because like he was one of a kind, they said that in like the in the he was a one of a kind BB-8 unit. So like we from that statement, yeah. we knew that there were other BB droids, but we just we didn't know. These sound like they just serve a function, you know? Yeah, much like R2D2, I think. Right, right. Where there's many other R2D2s that are just. You know, serving their function, their Absol navigational computers. Absolutely, and they're, they don't and they're repairing ships and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah I buy it. That's cool. Hopefully, yeah. it's not a BB-8 overload. 
Yeah, I, I hope not. I, I, I think it, I think they'll make it look very cool. I think they'll make it look very cool. I think there's going to be a war between the BB-8s and the Porgs. <laughs> Just an all-out epic CG war. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> the Chewbacca's going to come in and start crying at all the dead Porg children. <laughs> He's just going to be holding dead Porgs <laughs> and crying. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get it seen at like Jawas throwing them on a fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, proper burials. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Making Star Wars that net says, if the rumors about Dern's Admiral Holdo are true, it sounds like we have a dividend uh, a divided resistance, thanks to her inclusion. However, it also sounds like the new resistance ships she brings to the fleet are formidable. They're sort of like an abstract design, but they have a ball. They have ball turrets on them, just like the low altitude assault transports from Attack of the Clones. Uh, supposedly, you can see the resistance fighters in them as they blast ties and go up against Supreme Leader Snoke's mega destroyer. These ships were called Honey Droppers during production. And the code name for the Mega Destroyer was the 100 Acre Wood. So, you know, <laughs> the Resistance, they're down, but they do have some formidable ships, man. I want to see these things try to take on this Mega Destroyer. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to see some of these new ship designs. I am too, but, like, if the Resistance is divided and, like, Poe has basically, you know taken half of the fleet and she's got the other half of the fleet this is fucked up this is this is this is really messed up man this is yeah i hear you how can they even combined that they're gonna have a hard chance winning right but separate it seems like they have no chance so i can honestly see like pose resistance fighters making out of it making it out of this alive like do you think that his fighters are maybe like fl- fleeing Dakar and getting out of there while hers are staying to fight in a lost cause. Or I don't know. I can't see Poe just like leaving the fight and saying, well, fuck them. And going and going and going to crate, you know, oh, we're just going to go to crate. Yeah. What's what's the do you know anything about the plot points on crate? Like what the deal there is a little bit. We'll get we'll get into crate. We're going to get into you know what? Let's go. Yeah, let's jump into crate. I was going to go to Canto Bite, but let's go to crate since that's what we're talking about. Um, Yeah. Crate is the it's it's the new planet and it's the one with the red stuff that you see in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's um uh, here it is. The making Star Wars that net, they say the the world appears to be a giant salt flat with stretches of large black volcanic rocks. The black rocks look red because there is smoldering lava seeping out of them. It should be noted the setting isn't like Mustafar from Revenge of the Sith with free flowing lava. This is why early reports described it as Mars with snow on it. The lava is seeping out of the giant rock formations found scattered around the salt flat valleys in between the hot rocky terrain. It still isn't clear if the white ground is salt or light dusting of snow, but the white powdery substance collects around the banks of the settlement there, and depending on who you talk to, it's snow or salt. I've also heard ash, but I, I'm going to guess that that they filmed, since they filmed this in... Uh, it, this is these are real salt flats that they filmed in Bolivia. I'm going to guess that it's salt. Yeah, I think it's salt too. 
another snow planet doesn't make sense. We've seen Hoth, Starkiller look like, you know, it had tons of snow on it. And I mean, it didn't look like snow. It didn't look like snow. It looks like, you know, now that we've seen the trailer, it looks like salt, like salt flats. Yeah. Uh, they go on to say, what is significant about the world? In The Last Jedi, there's a mine there. The mine, from what I've been told, was used by the rebels as a secret base and a source of funds during the fight against the Empire. During the Resistance era, the mine is still producing some type of gem that is used to fund the Resistance. It sounds like it doubles as a way to fund the Resistance and act as a new hidden base for the Resistance after the events of The Force Awakens. It isn't clear how much of that is pertinent to The Last Jedi, but that's what the rumors were from the set. However, the Resistance having a mine on Crate hasn't been confirmed to us more than once, uh, has been confirmed to us more than once, and is a story element we're confident in. I'm going to get into that here in just a moment, that it was, mm. that it, and it's canon. This is canon that it actually was, um, a, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get into that right now. It is canon that this was an abandoned, base for the rebels uh if you go if you check out on the, crate yes yes it's canon if you check out the rogue one ultimate visual guide it features a character lieutenant hef tauber i went to star wars wikipedia and i looked up lieutenant hef tauber this is what it said hef tauber was a human male pilot who served as a lieutenant in the alliance to restore the republic during the battle of scarif Initially, Tauber was stationed as a transport pilot at the Rebel outpost at Crate. Hmm. We have heard there would be, like, possible planetary ties between Episode 8 and Rogue One. Right. At least I, I've heard that rumor a little bit. Right. And this 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 supports that. Hmm. So Okay. Uh, they go on to say that they're, they're talking about Crate. This is the setting in which the first, the new First Order heavy assault walkers, rumored to be called AT4Xs as well, attack the Resistance mine. There is a visual effects shot of, of about 10 of the walkers all walking shoulder to shoulder looking very apish as they approach the mine. The heavy assault walkers attack the mine in The Last Jedi, and that's their big action sequence in the movie. The B-Wings we saw out in Bolivia attack the walkers. We heard there's a shot in the film where some of the gems from the mine are dropped onto some of the walkers by the resistance ships and they topple some of the walkers. So that's, that's what we're seeing here. Like these gems are using to fund, they're being used to fund the resistance, but, <laughs> but these guys are also taking these gigantic gems from these B-Wing speeders and they're dropping them on top of the AT4Xs. That yeah, look, using them as artillery, basically. That's hilarious. Yeah, they're dropping them on them. And I don't know if these gems are unstable or if the gems are just so big that they just knock the walkers just down. Just toppling them over. Right, exactly. Like, they could be unstable and, like, blow up. And these are not kyber crystals. We're not talking about, you know, them mining for kyber crystals in this one, like in Rogue One. Yeah, they're space diamonds, basically. Exactly, exactly. So I can't wait to see these AT4Xs. Like, they have the, they, 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 it's like an ADAT, four legs, but an arched back, and like the front legs, like drag, they kind of look like apes, and they kind of like drag like knuckles, like a, like an ape. So I cannot wait to see these things in action, and like, and they're bigger than ADATs, they're bigger than AT-ATs, so I, dude, I'm, 
this action sequence I think is going to be one of the most talked about. It should be. If they do it right, this should be one of the most talked about action sequences in the film. This could be amazing, Jake. Oof, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Lucasfilm has already called this the Battle of Crate. Like this, you know, like we've seen the Battle of Jakku, you know. And, it's not just going to be some bullshit like uh, the Rogue One. Yeah, exactly. Ended, ended up being where we, we really like they kind of were making a stake. It was going to be like some Star Wars meets Saving Private Ryan, but we really got none of that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So why did I say we saw the Battle of Jakku? We saw the aftermath of the Battle of Jakku. No, um, yeah, we did not see the Battle of Jakku. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So yeah, that's, that's crate. And that's that scene where you see like the, the red smoke coming out of the B wings. Uh, they're saying they're B wing speeders. So let's talk about Canto bite. And this is where we're going to kind of get into, um, you know, Finn and Kelly Marie trans character of Rose. Uh, her character, uh, she said, Kelly Marie trans said, my character's name is Rose. She's part of the resistance and I can't wait for you to meet her. Uh, found out that she's actually a maintenance worker, a maintenance resistance worker. So it's like, I, I love this, Jake. This is what I love about Star Wars. Like, Finn was in sanitation, and she's a maintenance resistance worker. Yeah, that's very interesting. I actually saw her on the uh, panel, and I got more excited to see her character after meeting this actress. I've never seen her in anything. It, she was very charming in the panel. They said out of all the new characters, she gets the most time. So we, you know, like we're not going to get like uh, a ton of Benicio del Toro um, as DJ. And we're going to talk about him in a second, but we're not going to get tons of him. I mean, we got, we might get some of him. And then like Laura Dern's character, she gets, she gets, she gets some screen time, but n- neither of these actors that, I mean, and this is like her first motion picture film like this is like her first big gig kind of like daisy ridley like came from nowhere like only yeah only had done like small things so kelly marie tran this is this is huge and like benicio del toro established actor uh laura dern established actor um you know and and here she is kelly marie tran and out of all the new characters she's getting the most screen time i think this is great jake yeah great for her i'm excited for it i think she'll be a uh fun uh grouping with uh is she gonna be with finn she's gonna be with finn and bb8 oh yeah that should be real fun and uh she said uh, kelly marie Tran said she's not a soldier she's not looking to be a hero and gets pulled into a big adventure with finn so i mean so uh, finn gets out of the back to suit and nobody's around and he wants to get back into the action uh he meets up with uh rose somewhere and they go off on their own adventure and meet up with bb8 and uh this sounds awesome, man. They go to uh, Canto Bite, uh, which is the uh, they think is the name of the planet. It might be the name Canto might be the name of the planet. Bite might be the name of the city. But from everything I'm hearing, the planet's name is Canto Bite, and it is a casino planet. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I want to go. And Justin Thoreau uh, of the show, the HBO show, The Leftovers, has a part in episode eight, and it sounds like it's in the Canto Bite casino scenes from this news from MakingStarWars.net. Thoreau will be playing an expert slicer, and we're hearing he has a a pivotal moment. His costume is pretty interesting as well. Imagine Indiana Jones' white tuxedo, uh, tuxedo from the Temple of Doom, but weirder. And with a Star Wars twist, 
Thoreau's character wears a white tuxedo style jacket over a black suit. His sequences fit into the casino section of the film where we saw Dubrovnik exteriors shot last year. If you're curious, take a look at those Dubrovnik photos and the extras dressed up there to get a better idea of his costume. He looks a little fancier than most and almost has a James Bond look to him. Huh. Wild. Do you think he's going to be playing cards against uh, Benicio del Toro? Or do you think? Yeah. It's going to be a Sabak showdown. I think, honestly, okay, here's, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking, man. And I don't know if he's going to play cards against Benicio del Toro or he's going to be the guy that possibly throws del Toro in jail, catches him, catches del Toro cheating at cards and mm. throws him into the jail because star, making Star Wars Detonet, they did talk about that, um, that Benicio del Toro's character is connected, possibly connected to this planet. And his character is, his his name is possibly DJ. Uh, and there were Canto Bite police that they, that they saw. Um, these guys had on their hats CCPD, so it's Canto Bite Police Department. That's funny. And they, there was a Canto Bite jail set that was created for the film. So he, I don't know if del Toro's character is thrown in jail, but I'm guessing that, that he was, Um, all right. You think he might meet our characters in jail? Our characters might bust him out of jail. I don't know. I don't know. He might meet them in jail or he might bust them out. They might bust him out of jail because he has his own ship. I don't know. I, I don't know if they need his ship. I don't know. Or they steal his ship. It might be like another thing where, like in the last movie, you know, Finn and Ray steal the Millennium Falcon from... Uh, oh, he's like Uncar Plot. Uncar Plot. I don't know. I, I mean, this is all speculation. But Del, Del Toro's character wears all black. He has a, he has a trench coat uh, and a Han Solo, uh, Han Solo style belt at his waist to hold his blaster. His hair is short. He also has a, a strange cap that doesn't have a bill to it. He looks slimy and dirty, but the billless cap makes him look sort of like a throwback to a different era. He belongs in the criminal underworld by the looks of him. The man in black style character we heard about is certainly there, but his style evokes a few things in the design. His trench coat reminds me of Anakin's Revenge of the Sith costume in that its lapels evoke a tabard look and its black leather. All of this makes his ship all of the more curious to me. Let's talk about his ship. They go on to say his ship is really fancy. The interior looks like something you would see from Canto Bight. It looks like if someone took the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films and designed the interior of the Falcon for a new Trek film. The cockpit has a very nice singular red seat for him to pilot from. In the back of the ship, it has a communal section like the Falcon where the crew could sit and socialize. But instead of a dingy, uh, instead of dingy white seats and a chessboard, it has a very nice, bright, curved Bluetooth, uh, blue booth. Oh, I was like, ooh, nice Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. Curved blue booth with a table, uh, and it looks more like a nice hotel than something Han would live, would live in. The inside of the ship at Pinewood was a mixture of Amidala's Nubian ship from the Phantom Menace mixed with the look and feel of the Abrams Trek and a few hints of the sleek Apple design aesthetic we we saw revitalize the look of the classic Stormtrooper 
into the first order stormtrooper we have today. So they're basically saying that um, this guy, Benicio del Toro, looks slimy. He looks like a like a criminal that he belongs in the underworld, but his ship is all nice and fancy. So does he look like this? So people don't suspect him as like this amazing gambler, like, you know, you know, like, uh, it's like all a hustle basically. Exactly. Exactly. So like maybe Justin Thoreau's character is the guy that owns the casino, or maybe he's like another player at the table and he gets taken by this guy, you know, for a bunch of money. And then, then, then we see like the Canto bite police show up and arrest del toro maybe he does meet you know uh rose and finn in jail and they they all bust out and then we have like our whole like um scene where they're on the space horse they're actually you know kelly rose and and finn are on the on the space horse and and going down the down in the down the city and uh they you know they escape together on his ship i don't know hmm I have a space horse. I can't wait to see that. Have you seen pictures of it? No. Oh, dude, 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 dude. I've got pictures of the space horse. Oh, yeah. Let me see it. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll have to pull them up. I'll have to pull them up and I'll text them to you. But it, it kind of looks like, um, I, I, it kind of looks like, um, it's got like the ears of Falcor, but they stick straight out. It looks like, um, um, What's that uh that that fox looking creature in Pokemon? Um, that you catch. Those they almost kind of look like little foxes and they got their ears out, they're furry and I don't even Eevees. Eevees. It kind of looks like it, it, it's uh, this thing looks all white, kind of like white, maybe a little bit of gray. It's um it's, Is it like concept art that you have? No, it's the actual space horse. Oh jeez! I've seen the face, and I've seen it like an overhead view. I've seen like the body. Um, they kind of look like oversized llamas with like an Eevee face, and the ears stick straight out. And it's they're pretty. They're it's pretty big, and like uh, Rose and Finn are riding this thing together. They're they're on the same space horse, <laughs> and they're they're riding through Dubrovnik while they were filming. <laughs> That sounds romantic. Yeah. I think they had like this thing on wheels and they would like pull it down the street is what I heard. <laughs> so. Oh man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the space horse. I think I just found it. <laughs> there was, I, I did have a picture of the face at one time, man. But. Oh, you're, you're right. In, in my description? Yeah. Yeah. There they are right. There they are riding it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big white Eevee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's bizarre. Oh, man. Dude, that's, I think that's all I've got for, for this episode. I, 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 I hope I didn't leave anything out. I, as far as the, the last Star episode, Wars? As, as far as Star Wars, I mean, unless you wanted to finish up with any of the panel talk that maybe stuff that I missed. No, not really. I mean, you covered the good stuff in the quotes, really. Like, I, I just thought it was nice seeing all the actors and it's always fun um, seeing them be nervous when uh, asked like what they can say and what they can't say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember, like, do you remember uh, when uh, Donald Gleason dropped uh, Star oh, Starkiller Base? Starkiller Base. That was hilarious. Oh, that was great. That was great. I think he can afford to do that kind of stuff now, though. Like, yeah. 
And they were like, well, there it is. I remember JJ was like, well, okay. I guess it's out there. <laughs> um, it was yeah, great. I it was know. great to see Ryan Johnson be so um, embraced by the uh, fans. Man, they loved that guy. They were eating him up. Well, he's a he's a huge fan. He's just a huge fan of Star Wars in general. So it was neat. He um he brought a camera with him and took photos the entire time he was filming the movie, including still then at Celebration. Uh, and they were awesome. showing some of the photos that he took while filming Episode Eight on a reel, and that was I thought that was pretty fascinating. And I assume they'll come out with all that stuff like in a book yeah. after the movie comes out. Yeah. So. I know, I know he really enjoyed his time working with Carrie Fisher too. He's talked about that. Oh, definitely. And I'm telling you, man, I, I will text you this, uh, Carrie Fisher video. You have to see it. You should watch it when we break next. Is it the Mark Hamill? Um, is it the Mark No, that, that's a whole panel. Mark okay. Hamill does a tribute panel. That's pretty good too. This is literally just like I said, like a four minute reel. Oh, wow. That they played. Uh, George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy both spoke about Carrie Fisher. And then they presented this reel that Disney Lucasfilm had made for her. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I it's, pr- see it's that. incredible. Uh, yeah, this is our last Jedi um, trailer talk. Uh, Jake, I don't know, man. I don't know. It w- was it an incoherent mess? Oh, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. <laughs> It's good stuff. Oh god, I, mean, I, I just feel like and, yeah. I I don't know. I feel like when I have so many fucking notes, it's just like it's uh, it, it's kind of overwhelming. But I wanted to get it all out there, and I wanted to. Kind I feel of, like if you're a Star Wars fan, yeah. you followed what we were saying. Yeah. If you're not Star Wars keen, then it, it might have been an incoherent mess. But there's there's nothing we could have done to have changed that. Exactly. Exactly. I tried to structure this the best way I could, but man, it's. There's there's a lot there's a lot of speculation and there's just a lot of talk and you know I I don't know man I I I I cannot wait until December when we finally get to see this movie man I can't wait I can't wait it's so close Jake I can't believe it's almost been 2 years since we saw that first movie man Yeah it's bizarre it's bizarre it went by really quick I remember the days of the prequels and being excited about those, and mm-hmm. they made us. It was every three years for those. Yeah. yeah, every three years we're getting them every two now, and then in between those, man, they're sandwiching in a uh, you know like a a Star Wars story. So, you know, a so, Star Wars story. Do they say that in the in the film? Does it say a Star Wars story when, anywhere? When Rogue One, when the title card went on the screen, it did not say a Star Wars story. Yeah, it, it I, did, said, I think it did. It said Rogue fucking one. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, on iTunes, though, I'm just looking. It does say Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, Jake, what is it? What is, what is it? With, uh, we're gonna take a break here, real quick. But what is it with the fucking planets uh, in the Star Wars universe, man? Like, are they? You know what I mean? Like, hey, welcome to Salt Planet, and like, you know, like, uh, welcome, you know, wel- welcome to Ewok Forest Planet, and uh, Dagobah is a big fucking swamp, and uh, Hoth is just all snow. It's like. Do they yeah, have, can they get more than one climate? No one shit. Of these That's what I'm fucking saying. Like, you know, like, is there a planet? Like, <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine if, like, you know, like uh, Han Solo comes out of light speed and shit, and he, he he stumbled across Earth? He wouldn't know where the fuck he was. Like, if he would have fucking landed in Antarctica, he'd think he was in hot. Like, if he would have fucking landed in like Florida, he would have thought he's on Scarif. If he would have fucking landed, you know. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 I don't know. It's crazy. It's oh, nuts. I agree. Yeah. What would they? What What would they think of Earth? 
Oh, they would. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I hope. I, I hope that somewhere out there in the Star Wars universe, there's a planet that has two climates, at least two. <laughs> you know, that's what they're going. That's what Ryan Johnson is getting. That's why this is going to be the most different Star Wars movie yeah. ever. I'd love to see like the uh, vacation promotional videos for that planet. Hey, w- you like hot? You like cold? We got them. Yeah, the whole whole planet full. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we got two, we got two temperatures. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah, and in some ways makes no sense. In some ways it makes no, but I love it. It's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, we go with it. All right, this is the end of the road for Star Wars news. Yeah, I don't have it queued up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stupid callback. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump into some Marvel news. Yeah, let's do it. Marvel news. Yeah, we're talking about the two big stories this week. Uh Thor Ragnarok trailer and of course the cable casting. So let's start off with uh, Thor Ragnarok trailer. Jake, do you want to rate it first? Yeah, let's do that. All Just right. right off the bat. Yeah, we'll give it a high taste it. All right, man. Uh, high taste it. What's uh, what's the reasoning? Um, I, honestly, I, I think it's probably the best Thor trailer that I've ever seen. But I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit of the. Maybe it gave us a bit too much right away in trailer number one. Yeah, for me to for me to Tupperware it, and I don't know. I maybe I'm a little put off by its kind of uh, trying too hard to ape that Gardens of the Galaxy vibe a little bit. <laughs> well, they, they were the ones that. I mean, you know, Marvel Studios is the one that's kind of like coined that. I think everybody else has been trying to ape off of them with uh, with their trailers, but. Um yeah, no, I get that, man. I, I see that complaint out there, you know, with the music, the, the music choice and everything. I'm surprised yeah. that they haven't used that song before. I mean, you know, Immigrant Song, Led Zeppelin. I mean, I'm surprised that it took them this long to fucking use that song. I mean, in the song it says, uh, Valhalla, I'm coming home. I mean. Yeah, maybe Led Zeppelin was being more protective of it up until now. Yeah. Now that they see it's a hit. And right. That it's not going to get misused. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was pretty cool, though. I mean, I, I got excited. I, I, I laughed a lot at the uh, line at the end where, he, you know, he said, oh, he's a work friend right. for the Hulk. I thought right. that was a funny line. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got excited. I thought, um, is it um, Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. Hella? Yeah, she's playing Hella. Uh, yeah, she looked great. Doesn't she? 
Yeah, that was fantastic. And uh, what about uh, – I liked – I was happy as a Westworld fan uh, seeing Tessa Thompson as, yeah, as, yeah. as Valkyrie. Yeah, that was exciting. It was a it was a lot for trailer number one, right? Yeah, what a, it was a lot. I mean, it, I, <laughs> everything okay? Yeah, I just dropped my phone. Did, did you just break Mjolnir? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that was a lot. That was that was a lot to show in trailer number one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so. Hella breaks Mjolnir. I, uh, let me rate it. I'm going to give it a high tasted as well. I'm going to give it a high tasted as well. I, it, it was the best Thor trailer in my opinion. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see it. You know, I am pumped for the uh, the Hulk fight. It was awesome hearing Jeff Goldblum's voice in it and seeing a little yes. bit of him. So, you know, I was excited to see. Hella looked amazing, like you said, man. That I mean, we saw her in a couple different looks, and she looks awesome uh yeah at first i was like what no headgear yeah. and then they showed the headgear and i i applauded <laughs> man uh we got a little bit of uh tom hiddleston as loki too that was cool yeah his new headpiece looks straight out of the comic cool yeah yo yeah, very much very much man uh let's see here yeah let's talk about uh let's talk about uh hella and uh her crushing mjolnir you heard the rumors right yes the soul stone Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that rumor. Yeah. So it sounds like she's in the possession of the Soul Stone, and uh, that's what makes it possible for her to uh, to crush it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, so. I mean, I've heard, you know, I haven't been, you know, I don't have like a fucking Infinity Stone chart where I've been tracking them all for every movie, okay? I, I, I don't. I mean, I know the Aether was in Thor Dark World, the Red Gem, you know, and then I know... Someone will do that for us before the Infinity War movie comes out. What I'm hearing is that this introduces the final Infinity Stone. Uh, I believe it. I was thinking that this movie, probably more than any of them, was really going to be the one that was going to get us to uh, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Does it... Does it? I don't know. Like, is... Does it... Did the trailer portray the title though, Ragnarok? I mean, did it? Did mm. or was it? Because it felt like you know, it felt more like Planet Hulk to me towards the end. Of course, I mean, maybe maybe the beginning stuff with the crushing of Mjolnir and stuff like that. Maybe that's Ragnarok, and we did see him like hanging, you know, near like some look like lava and right. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait till the next trailer, then they'll show us all the rest of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 yeah, true. It just didn't feel like it didn't feel like it had like Ragnarok. When you think Ragnarok, you think of like destruction, destruction. Days. Yeah, like you know. And but we did see destruction. I mean, we saw like what I think is like the destruction of Asgard with you know Hela using the the Soul Stone. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that is Ragnarok, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess they're just trying to find a way to fit in a little bit of Planet Hulk into it because they can't do a Hulk movie because they don't want to pay for distribution rights to Universal and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I think Ragnarok is just a – I think more than anything, it's just a familiar Thor word. And it's not so much they're playing off that plot from the comics. Right, right. Which Marvel has done since the beginning with all their movies. And with Age of Ultron, Civil yeah. War, all of it. 
Let's see here. What's the theory? What's the theory that I'm hearing here about the soul stone? The soul stone, and I got this from, uh, I got this from Screen Rant. They say, but in the interest of streamlining the previous Ragnarok rumors and making sure more casual movie, moviegoers are still in on the fun, we'll offer a brief summary. In short, the soul stone has been entrusted to Heimdall, played by Idris Elba, hidden in plain sight, embedded in the chest of his Asgardian armor. Through use of the Soul Stone, the theory claims Heimdall is able to see the many lives of creation across nine realms. In his own words, I can see nine realms and ten trillion souls. So, basically, somehow they acquire Loki and Hela actually work together to acquire the stone from Heimdall before the goddess of death, before the goddess of death betrays Loki claims the power for herself and forces him to seek aid from his brother Thor. That's classic. <laughs> that is classic. Yeah. That's cool. I'm excited for Idris Elba to get more time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he deserves it, man. I mean, he's a he's a big star now and he he hasn't really gotten the star treatment in the other Thor movies. Especially the yeah. first, well, the first one he hadn't really broken out into stardom. I mean, I, he'd been doing Luther, you know, that show on uh, BBC, and, you know, and, and that elevated his status, but now he's like a huge movie star. So I'm hoping that, like, they've done him right in this movie. Yeah, I hope so too. I think they will. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen in this fight? This fight between Thor and Hulk. What do you think? I mean, we got the classic shot of them going to you know punch each other out and shit, and that's where the trailer ends. Like, what happens? What happens in this fight, man? I think Thor wins. Clean win by Thor. Clean pain. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. I do. I think uh, somewhere or another, I think Thor will win this. Where, where where does that leave Hulk? Where does that leave Hulk? And where does that leave Hulk when we go into Infinity War? Are we getting in, are we getting Hulk in Infinity War? Or are they going to save that for the second film, the second like the second part of the Infinity War movie? I don't know. Maybe maybe Thor will drag Banner back with him when he comes back to Earth. Okay, still knocked out. Still knocked out. Yeah. You know, you know that's the thing. It's like that we already seen the Hulkbuster take him. Why not Thor? Fuck it, you know? Yeah, I think it'll happen. Clean clean win. Clean win. What'd you, what'd, <laughs> what'd, what'd, hey, what'd you think about... Uh, I mean, that, that's what this whole thing... I, I keep saying, what'd you think? What'd you think about that, Jake, you know? Yeah, what'd you think? What'd you think? I feel, I feel like, what's that little cartoon dog around that? You know, like, you got the big... The big pit bull dog and then you got that little <laughs> that little scrappy dog like in the looney tunes you know cartoons and he's like yeah. bouncing around the big dog and say hey hey, hey man you know i feel like yeah. that little dog hey jake no but really what did you think about <laughs> what did you what did you think about hulk in the armor we've seen the concept art but what did you think oh, i liked it i you thought like, it looked good fully realized you liked it yeah i thought it looked cool yeah yeah i thought it looked funny have you seen the uh i thought there's you can watch the funny clips people have made where the door opens up to di- different stuff besides the Hulk coming out. Have you seen any of that? No. That's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> I saw, thing. I, I saw one where it opens up, and it's like the boulder from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and the one that was really good was it opened up, and it was uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth from Ghostbusters coming down. Oh, wow. Like in his like evil form at the end of the movie. What about what about if it opened up and it was like the elevator from The Shining and a bunch of blood came out? Oh yeah, they, I think I saw that one too. Shut <laughs> the fuck up! I just made that up off the top of my head and somebody's already done it. 
Yeah, there was a there was a ton of them. I was, I was like, wow, this is a thing where we just like put whatever footage behind this door, and then they they always show they always cut to Thor's reaction to see it too, which makes it even funnier. Oh, that's great! That's fucking awesome. I have to try to find some of that and send that to you too. Oh man, uh, let's see here, and uh, you know what? Let's move on into uh, yeah, Thor. I'm looking forward to it. it. Looks like the best Thor movie so far. Yeah, easily, right? Can you believe when we first started doing the podcast, we Tupperware Thor the Dark World, all of us? Yeah, that was back when we had no dicks. Uh, yeah, can, can we can we just be honest with ourselves? It's it's a taste it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a high taste it. All right, all right. I just recently rewatched it, and I I, I pretty much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, maybe I need to go back. See, I haven't watched it really since. I've seen it like two or three times, but it was like right after it came out. And uh, and so maybe I need to go back and watch it. Maybe I would give it a high taste. It. I, I'm yeah. just I'm going based off of like uh, memory, you know? Before Civil War, I watched every Marvel movie again. Yeah. And maybe, so. I, maybe I'm giving it too much of a – maybe I'm giving it a lower rating because like Curse was just not that cool. What what was that cool? Curse. Remember Curse? Oh no, I I barely remember him. That's that's why it was not cool. <laughs> and uh Malekith was pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah. And they had such a great actor playing him. Right. But it, it's it's still not a terrible movie. It, it still flows pretty well and it looks really nice. Yeah, and if I ask it, you like what was so Christopher Eccleston about Mal- Malekith? Like what did he bring to the character? There's nothing. Yeah, there was no point. You want to read? Was, you want to read a great Malekith story? Fucking read Jason Aaron's story with Malekith. Now that's a fucking story. That that when Jason Aaron wrote the Malekith shit in his Thor run, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, the Eccleston Malekith thing is pretty much the same problem as the Isaac Apocalypse thing. It's right? Like why why have this person yeah. do this? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move into uh, the cable casting. We got the cable casting. Where's my notes for this fucking shit? Yeah, this is super. Oh, weird. hold on, right. hold on. Before we, did you hear that the Thor Ragnarok trailer is the most watched? Dis, is Marvel and Disney's most watched ever in 24 hours? Oh wow! It beat Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, uh, the, the the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, which was unleashed Monday by Disney, the parent company of Marvel, has garnered. This is from THR. Has garnered more than 136 million views in 20 in only 24 hours. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the previous 24 hour record holder for Disney with 127.6 million views. Star Wars: The Force Awakens was viewed was viewed 112 million times in that time frame. Uh, Captain America Civil War held the previous Marvel record with 94 million views. <laughs> so it beat out Star Wars and Beauty and the Beast. Thor. Yeah, wow, I believe it. I think at this point it's just becoming a thing where it's every next one will beat out the last one. That's right, I agree. I was going to say that. It feels almost like the internet is trying to beat itself. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a masturbation joke, but it wasn't. No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get that, uh, what was that meme with Stan's dad, and he's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I just watched the Thor trailer. Frank um, loves that one. Yeah, he loves that one. He lives by that one. That's his, uh... <laughs> 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 uh let's see here. Hey, uh, cable casting, this news came from THR. Uh, Josh Brolin has nabbed the hotly contested role of cable opposite Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool 2. The Hollywood, what? <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter has learned. 
production has been on the warpath to find the right actor for the role for months, with Michael Shannon almost nabbing the role and Stranger Things star David Harbour on the shortlist. There were even rumors of conversations with Russell Crowe and Brad Pitt. In the end, Brolin emerged as a surprise contender, notching his second Marvel Comics character in the process. The actor plays the villain Thanos in the Marvel Studios movies. Sources say Brolin's deal is for four films. So, Jake, what are you, you going to rate this one? I will taste it. Me too. I don't hate Brolin, but I don't know. The whole thing's weird. I was, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think at the end of the day, it could end up being a Tupperware performance. Yeah, yeah me too. But right now, I'm just, I guess I'm still a little bit sour grapes yeah. over this whole, like, they, they just strung us along on this casting process. And right. then it's like a bad mystery novel. Like, what happened, there was no, like, lead up to it at all. You know, it just came out of left field. I, just the whole process has left me kind of soured. Yeah. Yeah, I so. mean, he's a good actor. I mean, I liked him in uh, No Country for Old Men. I loved him. I loved his character in Sicario. I thought he was a really interesting character for the limited time he was in that film. Yeah. Um, and um, But, you know, we've also had him in Jonah Hex, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I agree. I agree. So I we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I'm with you, though. It could be a Tupperware. It could be a Tupperware after we see it. But, I mean, like, when you've got names floating around, like, fucking, uh, what is it? You know, Ron Perlman, people wanting him, and I don't know. Brad Pitt. I mean, I, I would have loved that. Yeah, it just, and it, it just the whole, like, that he's already a comic book character. I know it's Fox and Marvel, but it still feels like they just the same pool got used. Yeah. Well, they're 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 definitely going to make a joke about him being Thanos in that movie. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I How can they not? Right. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, yeah. we don't sound excited at all. Not really. It's <laughs> you know, like I said, it, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like the whole thing, it's almost a low taste it now at this point. <laughs> Just the whole experience. It's like how how long have we talked about the cable casting and how many different names have we thrown out right. and who we really wanted and everything? Yeah, and then oh, it's Josh Brolin. Yeah, it's like what? Right. Fuck me. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of times where like we, you know, you wish for one thing. They give you something different, and then it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, and I'm willing to accept that it could end up being that. But as of now, I'm like, okay, can we move on to the next Deadpool story? Because yeah. he pretty much exhausted me with this uh, who will play Cable shit. He, and then he, this is like, I don't, I, I'd have to go and look in his catalog of films, but like this is at least his fourth comic book role. I mean, he was also in Sin City. Yeah, I mean, I would count Men in Black, too. It was a Malibu comic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to get technical. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I've got quite a few Malibu comics in my collection, so you're absolutely right. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you remember that company? No, no. Oh, I, yeah, I, remember Ma- fr- I remember Malibu Barbie. I don't remember Malibu comics. Marvel bought them. Oh. Uh, before Disney owned Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think that's, I, I think that's it. 
um, I mean, I did find out Tom Holland, you know, a, uh, he's never actually seen Empire Strikes Back, and he makes the joke in the oh, Civil yeah. War. He's actually never seen it. What a piece of shit. Yeah, he admitted to Yahoo Movies he's never seen the film. I bet you, Andrew, <laughs> I bet you as much as you hate him, I bet you Andrew Garfield's seen it, at least. Yeah, I bet that's true. Yeah. I don't blame Andrew Garfield. I blame everyone else. He just took the job. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. I do want to – can I burn through some good pop, bad pop? Like seriously just burn through it? Yeah, do what you got to do. All right, cool. All right. Time for good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right, good pop, bad pop is where we talk about is where I am going to talk about the thing in the previous week that I either watched or read. Um, so you know, this week I'm just going to call good pop, bad pop. Uh, let's just call it Brian's got this. Can we do that? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, I watched uh, OJ Made in America. It's a documentary, and it's uh, it came out last year, but it's finally on Hulu. And it's about O.J. Simpson. You know, last year it was kind of like a big deal with the uh, the people versus O.J. Simpson when that came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this series coming yeah, out. Yeah, Um But O.J. Made in America, it's a documentary. Uh, it's broken up into three parts. Uh, the first two parts are three hours each, and the last part is almost two hours. So it's basically like eight hours of O.J. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you watch the whole thing? I watched the whole fucking thing, dude. Nice. Was I, it good? Once I start on like one of these things, it's like I can't finish it. I, I can't stop it. If it's good, I, I can't stop. I got to finish it. You know, I won't watch anything else. Like everything else is on the back burner, and that's what this was. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. I mean, it goes through. It goes through like the early years. It goes through like you know, uh, him as a uh, high school. Uh, you know, um, phenom and it goes into his college years. It goes into his time in the NFL. It goes into how much he's beloved talks about him getting his sponsorship from Hertz, him going into the movies. It talks about the rise of OJ. It, it also goes into like the, uh, the LA riots and, uh, it goes into, um, you know, like Rodney King and, and, and the, the, the climate of, uh, what people were thinking about the LAPD at the time. And I mean, it really, it, it does a great job and it goes into the, into the trial. You actually get, man, they got, they got people, they got interviews in this from, uh, Marsha Clark is in this fucking, uh, Furman. Furman's in this. He fucking signed up to do this. That racist piece of shit, Mark Furman. Oh. Wow. Signed up and did this. He must have fucking needed a paycheck. <laughs> and I mean, then it goes into after the trial and, you know, the, uh, the criminal activity he was involved in in Vegas trying to get his memorabilia back. I mean, it talks about it. His kids are in, not in this, but you know, it talks about his kids and it's got footage of them. And I mean, it's, it shows some, it shows, pictures of the murders it's gruesome i mean this this you know uh, was it ron goldman um nicole's boyfriend at the time yeah it has his family in it his father uh and those people are just amazing they're just amazing um but um man it's this is a uh 
this is a fantastic documentary. Fantastic. I Tupperware it, man. I think if, if you're, even, I, I remember like the trial going on when I was a teenager, but you know, it's like I couldn't follow it on court TV every day. And, you know, I was following it in the news here and there, but like going back and like watching this all as like a collected thing, it's just, it's, it's unreal. They, they, they did a fantastic job with this. It's called OJ Made in America. You can watch it on Hulu. I, I recommend it. I recommend that you watch the whole thing. It's so good. That's awesome, man. OJ Fever that last year, there was so many specials. Yeah, really. There was. I honestly think that, you know, and I know you didn't finish the people versus OJ Simpson, but it, it was fantastic. Um, it was. Yeah, I saw it's on Netflix now. I need to, I need to plow through it. I really want to see it. And, you know, I mean, I understand people's gripes with, you know, Travolta and David Schwimmer. Um, but for as much as some of the gripes that they got there, they did some great things. Sarah Paulson was great as Marsha Clark. And the guy that played Darden was fantastic. I mean, they – and I also think that, that – I think that this series kind of turned Marsha Clark into a hero. I really do. I think it changed the way people viewed Marsha Clark from like the way we viewed her throughout the trial. I, I think that's how powerful that series was. Oh yeah. That was apparent at the award show where they were both there. Yeah. It's how, how, how much more she was appreciated right. and what it did for her name. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a fantastic series and this was a great documentary. Uh, also saw on Hulu, uh, Everybody Wants Some. It's the movie that came out last year from Rich, Richard Linklater, uh, who did like the Dazed and Confused movie. And this is about a baseball team in like the early eighties. And I'm going to give it a taste. It. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It was, it was a lot of fun. It just, when I'm comparing it to his other movies like Dazed and Confused, it just isn't as good as that. But it's, it's a fun movie. And if you have Hulu, I would recommend watching it. It's a fun little, you know, I, I love these period pieces, especially if they're set in like the eighties. So it was what'd fun. What did you say it was called? Everybody wants some. Oh, oh, I remember that. I remember the trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, like, barely in theaters. Like, it was, like, like a fart in theaters. It was barely, I think it was, like, in the theater, like, one fucking weekend around here. And yeah, what, what are you rating it? A taste it. Okay. I, if I rate it against, like, Dazed and Confused and some of his other movies, it's just, it's not great. But it's still, I, I, I would watch it. I would recommend it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I really did. You know, I would probably watch it again. I just... It's just not his best film. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it really did blip out. I didn't even know he directed that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would watch it. I'm giving it a taste. I know taste it sounds bad. Like sometimes when I rate stuff as a taste it, it sounds like it's a bad thing. This is actually a good movie. I would watch it. I would recommend it. Okay. Got it's it. a solid taste. Yeah, if it takes me to say give it if it if it takes me saying high taste it for you to fucking watch it, I'll give it a high taste it. But it's really a taste it, but just watch it. Um, right. I am five episodes in on Amazon Prime's new series, American Playboy, the Hugh Hefner story. Oh, how's that? And I hated the first episode until it ended. Um and then I'm hooked now. Like that that first episode, like they leave you they leave you wanting more. And so I was like, fuck it, episode two. And like now I'm fully invested in this thing. And and um, I can't wait to finish it. I think it's 13 episodes. I've finished five. And it's 
how it's set up is it's 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 a mixture of I'm gonna compare it to Unsolved Mysteries. You know how Unsolved Mysteries has like people act there's some scenes where it's people acting, then they actually have like interviews with people and then it's like so they have like reenactments and then like people in interviews and then sometimes like real footage of interviews. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. This is the same kind of setup. So it's like it's the story of Hugh Hefner, like him starting Playboy back in the fifties. And but it's it, it has reenactments and they have an actor and they actually got like one of the actors from the Almighty Johnsons that I really enjoy. Uh he played the character of Axel, like he plays one of the characters in this, and he's great in this in the reenactments. But then they actually have like interviews from like the real people. They actually show like real covers. They show um interviews with Hefner himself. They have uh then they have like uh stuff that they've shot just for this series. Like they have interviews like with his daughter Christy and his son. And so it, it's it, it's really good. Um I highly recommend it. I'm going to give it a uh I'm going to give some episodes a high taste it and others a Tupperware. Um it, it's really weird though how I view I don't know how to say this, Jake. Like Yeah. You know, like when you when you look at like he he's really smart. He's a businessman and he built this from the from the from the ground up. It, it's really amazing how he made Playboy. He he started off working at Variety. He asked Variety for a $5 raise. He was writing for Variety. He asked them for a $5 raise. They refused him. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go off and I'm going to do my own thing. I think I can do it better. I think I, I like these pinup. I like these pinup models that I see in the magazines. Um, I want to have these mm-hmm. pinup models and some of these uh, nude calendar girls. I, I want to get them in my magazine. I want to make it like Variety, but I want to I want to speak to men. I want this to be, and what, what, what do men like? Men like sex. So like, why, why, uh, shun away from that? I want to talk about that. I want to talk about sex and I want to have funny cartoons in it as well. I want to talk about like the newest technology coming out. I want to, you know, he just wanted to make this really cool magazine for men and he, he needed like the ultimate pinup model, the ultimate woman for the first issue. And he, None of them was, none of them were working. Like, you could, you could buy the rights to, like, these nude calendars, these women that were in these nude calendars. And he found out, he was reading through the paper, and he found out that these, this guy had pictures of Marilyn Monroe before she became all Hollywood famous. And, but nobody had published them because nobody had bought them. So he went to the guy, he was ready to offer him a thousand dollars for these pictures. He couldn't offer them any, anymore. And he said, you know, so what are you looking for him? And the guy says, I'm looking for 600 bucks. And then (laughs) Hugh turns around. They show it in like a reenactment. Hugh turns around and he's acting like he's all concerned about the price. And he actually smiles, turns around and makes the deal. And for the first issue of Playboy, it's a, it's a, it's a nude photo of Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, who was like the sex symbol at the time. So like. Oh yeah, it was huge. Yeah. So like that first issue, like he sold like over 50, I think maybe 50,000 copies, 53,000 copies in like the first week. And like it ended up selling like 73,000 copies overall. And he made profit that first issue, which is unheard of in magazines. Sports Illustrated, they said it took them six years to get their first profit to get out of the, to get out of the, 
to get out of the red and get into the black. I mean, it wow. blew my mind. Yeah. And issue uh, one, you're in the green. In the green. Yeah. It, it's unreal how he did it. And, uh, but it also goes into like him starting up, like it goes into the Playboy lifestyle and his lifestyle and like him reinventing himself as Hugh Hefner the way we know him now. Um, and I don't know, man. It, it's interesting, but like in a, in a way, it's like I see things that are kind of that are that are very sexist. Oh yeah. But then on the on the flip side, the way that he tried to treat the women and they are I don't know. It's, 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 I, I I'm conflicted because like some of them, it feels like they are treated like sex objects and the way that they, they, when they start these playboy clubs, like the way they make, oh, you gotta, when you greet the men and you're serving the drinks, you gotta do the bunny dip and you gotta do this and that. And, but on the flip side, like these women are making way more money than they would have made had they been working somewhere else. And supposedly they were treated really well and they enjoyed working there, but yeah, yeah. they they may have been doing the same kind of work, but in, in nowhere near of a safe environment. Right, right. So I don't know if that makes it better yeah. or not. He and he said like the women were like the men couldn't touch them and do stuff, but if like a big celebrity was around then, you know, like you know, they showed like Tony Randall and Frank Sinatra and like, you know, Dean Martin and uh, some of these guys showed up, then it's like, you know, all bets are off. Who knows what the bunnies are doing with these guys behind closed doors. So I don't know. I I um I feel like in a way he brought, you know, he made, he didn't make sex so taboo to the public, but on the flip side, yeah, there's a lot of sexism in it too. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to let that affect the way that I view this as far as like the way they're presenting it. Cause I still think like they're presenting the story in a very interesting way and I really enjoy it. You know, it's high tasted to Tupperware territory, but you know, there are parts that kind of make me cringe like, man, I, ugh. I don't like that, Hugh. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's oh, called, that's interesting. How many episodes you say? Ten. It's uh, thirteen in all, I believe, and I, I'm through five. It's called American Playboy: The Hugh Hefner Story. It's on Amazon Prime. Last thing I want to talk about is Mystery Science Theater 3000: The Return. It's on Netflix. Uh, you've got uh, Felicia Day and uh, Patton Oswalt. They're playing the evil characters. Felicia Day is like uh, I think she's the granddaughter of uh, uh, Dr. Forrest and uh, I think or she's the daughter I can't remember and, <laughs> That's interesting. and then Pearl yeah she's Pearl Forrester's granddaughter and then Patton Oswalt is playing TV's son of TV's Frank so he's playing the son of TV's Frank from the original series and um, Jonah Ray is the host you've got a new theme song you've got a You've got new voices for the robots. Gypsy's voice is totally different. I hate it. It's like a, I hate her voice in this. Um, Crow and Tom Servo, I'm still adjusting. I'm still adjusting to Jonah Ray. The first episode that they did was a movie called Reptilicus, and I'm going to give it a taste it. And the second one I think was called Wilderness Cry. I can't remember. It's about, it's a Bigfoot story. It, it was <laughs> Fucking hilarious! I Tupperware it. I laughed my ass off. It is great. It's like rapid fire jokes. It's one of the best episodes 
of MST3K I've ever seen. So wow, that's I, high praise. It's really good. It's really good. I just kind of got. I kind of like fucking forgot about the voices. I forgot about mm-hmm. the new intro. I forgot about everything, and I just got lost in the jokes, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. So I think. I think this is 10 episodes or 13 episodes. I can't remember, but um, I'm going to – And they're full-length movies too? Yeah, full-length movies, about an hour and a half, you know, total, even with like the sketches and stuff in between. But um, Patton Oswalt's okay. Felicia Day, don't really care for her so much. Jonah Ray is growing on me. Um, At first, it kind of felt like – He's just like that kid that got lucky enough to take over. You know what I mean? The kid that grew yeah. the kid that grew up with MST3K and now he's the he's lucky enough to be able to kind of like, you know, play with it and do his own thing and I'm he's kind of growing on me. You know, I there was an adjustment period for me. I remember watching Joel Hodgson, you know, and there was, Oh yeah. There was that short adjustment period where Mike Nelson took over. And I had to adjust to Mike Nelson. And I mean, this is not the first time the robots' voices have changed. I mean, like Tom, like Tom Servo's voice changed. So um, they got a new voice actor for Tom Servo when they were doing the show too. And I fell in love with that voice. So you know, uh, was it Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy were the voices of Tom Servo and Crow? So I'm, I'm gonna, I, I love it. I'm gonna keep watching it, and I highly recommend it, especially. If you've never seen Mystery Science Theater 3000 and you don't have access to the old episodes, definitely jump in on the second episode of this Netflix series. You'll laugh your ass off. Like, this was like, dude, I remember like fucking like late 80s, early 90s watching Joel Hodgson and the first time seeing like the robots on screen watching a movie and making fun of it. I thought this was like the most novel, genius idea as a kid ever. I thought it was the the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember it blowing a lot of people away. It, it was it was huge. It was one of those things that um, not everyone had the access to be able to see. Right. So the black market VHS sales of Mystery Science Three Thousand were were pretty high back in the day. I remember. Well, yeah, yeah. Like Joel Hodgson actually started Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand on public TV in Canada at first before yeah. before it got picked up by Comedy Central. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember those tapes being a hot commodity at those cons back in the uh, back in the nineties. Yeah, I think what is it? I think it's uh, if you want. There's like a if you download if you got like a PS4, or maybe you can get it on Xbox too or like Roku. There's a channel called Pluto TV. There's a there's an app called Pluto TV, and if you download that, they have a Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel that plays all the Joel Hodgson episodes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, just twenty four seven. Twenty four seven, and it's streaming. So, every once in a while, I'll flip that on and and watch that. And so, good shit. That's it, dude. I'm fucking done. Yeah, I'm beat. Yeah, yeah. No new episode next week. I'm gonna be at C two E two unless Jake wants to record an episode by himself. Eh, not really. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have fun. Tell everyone I said hi. I will. I will. All right, man. Cool. You enjoy the rest of your night, and guys, we'll see you in uh, two weeks for episode 184. Yeah, I'll talk about the Fast and the Furious 8. Yeah, hey, uh, is it still sitting strong at 66% on Rotten Tomatoes? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's blazing the box office. Oh, though. I bet it is. I bet it is, man. Perfect time yeah. for that movie to come out, like in April. That's genius. I mean, especially with uh, with the uh, Guardians coming out in a month, less than a month. Oh yeah, yeah. Just enough time to make all that revenue and yeah. get out of Dodge. Cool. All right. Whatever. Fucking. Uh, yeah. See you in two weeks. And just like all good leftovers, stay in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week or two weeks. <laughs> Bye. It's the end of the road. Later. We're going to go out to that music, Jake. Oh, great. I got to do that. Like maybe like 30 seconds of that. Oh, for sure. All right. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap.